Netflix podcast. This is episode number 13. I can't believe we've... I say that every week. I can't believe we've come this far. <laughs> because we never expect to go any yeah, further. Each week is our last. Oh, wow, this is amazing. This is this is breakthrough. We've gone six episodes without not doing an episode. Hey, actually, yeah, six episodes. That's how many we made it the first time, right? Yeah, so every time we go six episodes, we have to take an extended break. This yeah. time, it was only three weeks. <laughs> last time, it was a little longer. Yeah, but you know, all things considered, we're doing really well. Yeah. So, you know, if you like what you hear, you can always catch us on uh, iTunes, rate us. You know, we still haven't seen one yet. That's okay. Um, you can always contact me the email, which is the uh, nerdflixpodcast at gmail.com. Or, and check us out on the blog at nerdflixpodcast.com. Or nerdflixpodcast.blogspot.com, something like that. <laughs> Nerdflix.blogspot.com. It doesn't matter. No one cares. Um, <laughs> so this week we're going to talk about our uh, feature presentation, Adventureland, as well as the shitty movie, Birdemic. Yay! <laughs> yeah, yay. Um, but uh, let's uh, let's start this off the right way. John, what gets you hard? Superman gets me hard. <laughs> Super hard? Super hard, because... The Superman movie is getting terrible reviews, which is awesome. I like that. Um, I don't like the fact that despite its terrible reviews that many people are spending their money on it. So it tells me that no matter how bad it is, they're probably going to make a sequel. But um, let me just tell you, I hate Superman. I think he's a stupid character. He's... Sounds like he's designed by a four-year-old that was just like, um, um, and he has super strength, and bullets don't hurt him, and he can also fly. Oh, and and things can shoot out of his eyes to burn people, and he can freeze stuff with his breath, and he has super hearing, and then he can also see through walls. And, and he's super he, strong. And he has a super dog. And the sun regenerates And him. he has a super cousin. Yeah. So Ultimately, would, though, most of these things don't come up frequently no they don't well and he has some some unusual uh superpowers that don't come up often either he has like super ventriloquism um he has super hypnotism you can look these up he really does they just don't talk about them often. he has a cellophane s on his chest yeah <laughs> and uh apparently he's got something super going on in his groin area because he's got to wear those super undies like his regular costume oh although for the movie they removed the super undies so yeah, he he doesn't have the red tidy whities He doesn't have the tidy reddies. He doesn't have the red dididens. What does he have? It's Dependence. just like blue, like a blue whole bodysuit, even in the groinal area. Huh. Like his groin looks like his knee. <laughs> what a weird place to bend. <laughs> yeah. Right in the middle. <laughs> so anyway, um, the critics think it sucks, and the people with money are are well. People are. That's kind of a flaw in the movie system. Is that by the time you find out that the movie sucks, they already have your money. So it's really, instead of making a good movie, you just have to make good trailers. And that's kind of what's happening with so, Superman. So going back a little bit, it's not that Superman's your least favorite character. He's your most hated super anything. Yes. Gotcha. I think it's not about creating the character who has the most powers. It's about telling the best stories. So you can have a really weak character that ha that has great stories. And uh, I don't know, Superman's just lame. And what's up with his stupid costume? That's so, or I mean, his 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 disguise. 
the glasses. I mean, come on. Austin showed up for the first time in a long time today without his glasses on. Holy and you crap. know what? They don't know who we are. I still recognized him. He, yeah. We never did interactions. Oh, that's true. <laughs> well, I'm Austin. And that's wow. John. I'm Super JM Thomas. <laughs> and our host is Mikey Simon. Yay, me! Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, have either of you read Michael Shaven's um, Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, by any chance? No. no. Is it a comic or a book? No, it's a book. But um, I believe he won the Pulitzer for it. Um, and it's it's an incredible novel about... Uh, it's it's more or less about the comic book industry and how it grew. And definitely how it was an offshoot of uh, a reaction to the powerlessness of from World War II or from Hitler. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, he might be dated. But I think... And I, I somewhere I read recently that at first he was like a villain. Superman was a villain. Like it was like the the fascist interpretation of Nietzsche's Superman. Oh. And then we've appropriated it because I, I we probably needed that encouragement or strength or whatever. Because I I believe the first episode is not he fighting Hitler or they, they they also work in like their own characters because you know it's, it's a fiction. Well, book yeah it's a um so i i forget um if that's superman or if, if it's that's their character the illusionist that's fighting hitler but um i don't know i, I don't have anything against superman I, I remember watching the movie as a kid the christopher reeves one i liked it um the old nick at night oh superman. like the 1940s superman right. george yeah, reeves the black george reeves. Reeves. Yeah. weird how both of them are reeves yeah, yeah. And they both played Superman. And they're both dead. Yeah, they both met untimely ends. Oh, yeah. That's a better way to put it. George Reeves met an untimely end? Yeah, he was suicide or murder. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. No one knows. Interesting. So I'm going to go ahead and feed off of your superhero theme here. And uh, I was reading that Robert Downey Jr. has signed on for two more appearances as Iron Man. So that'll get him to five? Six. Two more? Yeah. But they just came out with three. No, no, he's going to do two more appearances, so he's going to do Avengers five, uh, 2 and 3. Oh, okay. So he's done Iron Man 1, 2, and 3, and Avengers, which gives him four, four casts as Iron Man. So he's two. done as in Iron Man movies. Yes, Iron Man IP he will appear is pretty much no again more. as Avengers, and then they will have to reboot Iron Man. And then not have to reboot Iron Man. Reboots, like I could see them, you know, the reboot of Spider-Man was semi-successful because Tobey Maguire wasn't like a, he's not such a unique character, but I have to say Tony Stark and the way that Robert Downey Jr. played Tony Stark, I think they're going to have a hard time rebooting him. Yeah. With another actor. Well, he's, he's 50 now, now that, uh, the third movie is going to be coming out and apparently they've. The movie, what was it, Avengers, uh, Avengers or Iron Man? One of the two is grossed like one point two mil or one point two billion dollars already, and so they basically just threw money at him. And he was like, "Sure, I'll do it." Yeah, that's got to be the Avengers. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know. I I never really uh, get that excited about superhero movies. I'm not sure why. I, I think it is what we were talking about with Superman, where it just seems somehow. I'd rather see a group of people get together and fight something rather than one person who has an obvious advantage over the other. Even even if the villains have their own quirky advantage, like I don't know, just I know I like fantasy. 
so it's not fair to criticize it, to be honest. But so but you like the Batman movies? Yeah, but as I've said on the show, I think... I, first of all, I've never even seen <laughs> Dark Knight Rises. I'm not sure why. Oh, yeah. um, Which I, one's I, that one? The third one. Yeah. I kind of cooled off. I, I, I think it actually was probably inspired by the shootings. It, just, it was hard to get enthusiastic mm. after that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it had more to do with the zeitgeist at the time, like Dark Knight Rises. And I never really liked Batman Begins. I think I've said that because I think they cheated. Well, first of all, it was because it pissed me off that, uh, what's his name? Liam Neeson was the bad guy? Yeah, we've already talked about that. <laughs> but you also didn't like Wolverine or any of awesome. the X-Men movies really either. The we've first talked. X-Men movie I actually liked quite a bit. And then What second... about the quirky ones like um, Kick-Ass or... Yeah, Kick-Ass, I'm not cynical enough to enjoy that on its premise, like... That kind of pisses me. I've never seen it, but There's... just hearing about it makes me really angry. <laughs> you know, I didn't really like uh, like Kick Ass, but I did like uh, what was it? Something Something versus the World or whatever it is. Scott Pilgrim versus Scott. Pilgrim. That, that wasn't was a... really a superhero movie, was it? Eh. He he kind of was superhero esque. It was more video game, but he was definitely super right. And we've, we've actually talked about it like on episode two, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I enjoyed that at the time. I don't know if I'd. I mean, so many Smashing Pumpkins on Final Fantasy. <laughs> references, I, I guess that gets a pass. Have you seen a movie called Super? Um, no. Where uh, it's, I think his name is Rain Wilson, the guy from The Office that plays Dwight or whatever, yeah. and uh, the girl from Juno, Ellen Page. Yeah, that's actually, I guess if you didn't like Kick Ass, you might not like this, but it's kind of a more realistic version of Kick Ass. Hmm. But it goes into kind of some dark places. I don't know. It, it was a fun movie, actually. I liked it. Um, yeah, I actually like Captain America, just, I think, for the aesthetic. At the same time, it's so ridiculous. Like <laughs> It is, and you know what? He's ridiculous, and he's campy, and he's dated, mm-hmm. so I know that those are not the reasons why I hate Superman, because I like Captain America, and he has all those characteristics, too. But they but, pandered to that datedness in yeah, Captain America. Exactly. He, his stoicism is uh, part of the appeal, is he's yeah. so damn likable and good and all that shit. Um, uh, the Rocketeer, I like that movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I've never seen it. It's really cheesy, but yeah. um, I have good memories of it. So. I remember running around Disneyland trying to get the Rocketeer's signature. Oh, he was in Disneyland? Yeah, they had him there for a couple of years. Yeah, that's awesome. Huh. Back in the day, before it cost a hundred fucking dollars for <laughs> a one ticket. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that we know that gets you hard, what really gets you hard, Austin? Um... Stanley Kubrick really gets me hard. And actually, I could have talked about this last week, but I went to LACMA. They have a Stanley Kubrick exhibit right now. Um, oh, you were talking about on the last podcast that you wanted to go there. That's, really? I thought, yeah. I, I thought I'd been there, and I just forgot to mention it. Oh, no, you said I need to go there or something, because they have this, <laughs> I really want to go. Okay, well, Maybe it wasn't the last episode. Maybe it was a few episodes okay. ago. Well, that's good that I mentioned then. Um I finally went, and that was, like, the best three hours of my life. <laughs> um, and the big exhibit's not really that big. I just went through it a few times. <laughs> um, it's like one room, and they're like, you again? <laughs> just shut up and let yeah, me Yeah, the guards did give me eyes, like, my God, you're they really thought, drooling. They thought you were casing the joint for a robbery. You yes. walked through so many times. Exactly. I'm going to take the Space Child from 2001. <laughs> um, really, they had, you know, as I said, the Space Child, um, Dave's 
reincarnated state or whatever from the end of 2001. And they had like the primate suit and they had um, the Droog outfit. They had the milk bar um, from oh, Clockwork, Clockwork Orange. Um, they had the masks from Eyes Wide Shut. They had um, all the survival gear and like the. Um, Did they have a big porcelain phallic? From no, that would have been fun though. Oh. That would have been fun for like a photo op that you could kind of <laughs> rock on it. Because <laughs> it wasn't it like a rocker or something like Dude, that. The fact yeah. that you just made reference to rocking on cock is just really funny. Thank you. I would never put that pithy <laughs> phrase together if not for you. Um, and what else did they have? Oh yeah, from Doctor Strange Love, they had like the survival guide and they had the orders. So like. Tons of incredible props. They had his chess board. If you know anything about Kubrick, he would play chess as a mind game with his actors. So, like, George C. Scott is apparently the only one that ever gave him a challenge. Really? That's yeah. funny. I've never heard that before. So, he before he would cast you, he played chess with you? Or no, after he cast just, you? Just during the set, during off time. Oh, just whatever, to kill like time or whatever? To, well, to kill time, but also to have, a, like, a little mind game. Um, he was... Everyone usually says he's like one of the most intelligent people that they've ever met. And uh, he would say, so what's your interest? I read a biography on him like 12 years ago, so it's sketchy. But anyways, someone would tell him about their interest. Like usually one person knows a lot about something. Yes. So he would just retain all that information. <laughs> wow. Like um, the absolute best parts, first of all, they had scripts and, like, working scripts with his handwritten notes on it. Mm -hmm. So you would just get an idea in the process. On The Shining, first of all, they had uh, her knife. They had the axe that came through the door. They had his fucking typewriter. I'll work no play. But even in that. Um, the page was yeah. in there. That's awesome. Um, and they had the little kid's Apollo sweater hanging up on the wall. Um, they had the hedge maze. So just... The just, hedge maze? Yeah. Like the... You, you know when he's looking at the down at the model and then they, oh the model hedge yeah. okay okay I was gonna say like was that that's why they kept throwing in the yeah. entire hedge base <laughs> <laughs> um and uh, oh yeah one of, one of the things on on the apparently the shining was called the shine at first which was interesting hmm. but anyways he 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 writes on on this page he says that Wendy his wife gets off not gets off but she she gets empowered by his failure which is kind of what I was talking about when I when I mentioned it that they're both not the both very flawed characters <laughs> whereas she's putting him in this position to be lower and that that makes him feel more inferior and then it, there's a little cycle going on there so um but obviously he's the worst offender as she doesn't try to kill him <laughs> but oh yeah my god and apparently, in one, of the, in one of the earlier scripts, um, Danny Torrance appeared on the staircase when he's walking up and saying, Wendy Darling, Light of My Life, all that stuff. And he's like, well, 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 little Danny Torrance, come to take his medicine, too. <laughs> that was the most twistedly hilarious line. But... And they cut that out? Yeah, apparently. But um, he wrote, actually, All Work, No Play makes Jack a dull boy. Like, he didn't even have that. It, it must have just come to him. And then he just wrote it in on the on the yeah. script page, which I think is... It really cool. shows how much of that movie was Kubrick's brilliance versus Stephen King's oh, yeah. lack of brilliance. They had his copy of The Shining um, annotated with, like, two different highlighters. They just showed, like, two pages. Mm -hmm. And it had, like, 50 notes. Like, <laughs> it was ridiculous. This, it, this guy went through that book. <laughs> um, 
But what was I going to say? One of my, oh yeah, two, two very interesting things. First of all, he had two projects that never got completed. One was Napoleon and that was his dream project. Hmm. And they had his research library, which was a bookcase that was like seven feet tall and probably five feet wide. And that thing was just crammed with books. Like he researched, I think I mentioned that before that he and his research partner found out that Napoleon lost his final battle because they fitted the horses with the wrong kind of horseshoes. Um, that wasn't good for the soil, so that they didn't get the speed that they planned on with Jeez. the horsemen. So, like, they found that out through that research. So, <laughs> just meticulous planning. They had pages from that script. And then the Aryan Papers, which was his movie about the Holocaust. Um, supposedly, it was canceled because of Schindler's List. He didn't think it would be commercially viable because that came out. But um, also, the, the thing said, and his wife has suggested that it depressed him a lot. And yeah, he, you could see that. Yeah. Especially with someone as meticulous as him. Like, it was research. (laughs) And I wonder if you said Napoleon is his dream project, if that is kind of a a warning to other filmmakers to that there is a downside to being such a perfectionist that you could literally die before you make your dream project. Because it's not like Kubrick started making movies in in an advanced age. He he had a long time to get that Napoleon movie made, mm-hmm. and he he could never pull it together. Yeah, I think he spent five years of research on it, and then he was. <laughs> the hilarious thing is, what got it canceled? Other than funding dropping out, um, he had the entire French army cast. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a Kubrick thing to do. Yeah. So, anyways, when he uh, when he finally didn't become financially feasible, probably for that very reason, uh, he then made Barry Lyndon, which is actually one of my favorite films of his. Um, I still never caught up with that one. There's a great quote by Ryan O'Neill on the wall that just said, like, he spent two days trying to get something right, and then he finally got it right, and then Kubrick said, okay, that's it, and he was just talking about setting up the next shot, and then he walked by him and just squeezed his hand. And he said that was the happiest moment of his life <laughs> to get that little squeeze. Just, I can imagine that for Kubrick being such a perfectionist to actually do something of that personal. So, anyways, it was really just a fantastic time. Um, I'm not sure if it's still there. It was closing down at the end of June. So, if you live in LA, check it out. <laughs> it was the best thing that ever happened to me in my life, and now you can never do it. <laughs> I was the last person. Yeah. To do- <laughs> if I would have talked about it five weeks ago. Maybe you would have had a shot, but now I'm just cool and you suck. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move right along here. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, what we've been watching. So, uh, you know, I think I'll start this week. I don't think I've ever started this particular segment. So Selfish. So I know, right? <laughs> I'm always so worried that you guys will feel like I'm, I'm host dictating the show. And you, Yeah, you are. You're yeah. a bit of a... I feel you know. that way every... <laughs> Every day, even when we're not doing the podcast. So this week, um, (laughs) so uh, I watched Oz the Great and Powerful. Ah, you know, I've been, it's funny, you watch all the movies that I kind of am curious about, and then you tell me they sucked, and then so I don't have to spend my time watching them. (laughs) I'm glad we do this podcast. (laughs) So in case you've been in a cave, it's the, uh, the Disney's prequel, if you will, to The Wizard of Oz, directed by Sam Raimi. That's why you watched it. Shut up. (laughs) I didn't know that, actually. Yep, it was directed by Sam Raimi. Weird. uh, Starring James Franco, Michelle Williams, Rachel Weisz, and Mila Kunis. Yes. Yes. Oh, and Zach Braff's in it. Weird. Kind of. He voices more than stars in it. Um, 
As far as how they adapted it into the, I guess you could call it the world or the canon of, of Oz, it fit nicely. Hmm. I, I wasn't upset with the story at all. I actually got upset with Sam Raimi's direction of this movie. What? Yes. Say what? I know. What you talking about, Mikey? Which, oh, it's, I love his film style. I like, because I've seen all his stupid movies. Mm-hmm. But it, it just didn't fit with a Disney feel of Oz. It was just so much, so much Star Wars blue screen type look and feel mm-hmm. that when you use uh, an Evil Dead horror trick where you zoom in the camera and shake it real quick on the witch, it just, it didn't feel right. And it, it felt like, uh, aside from Mila Kunis and um, Michelle Weiss, that everyone else seemed forced in their performances. Yeah. I don't think James James Franco carried it enough to get you through it, but it just didn't feel real enough. And I wanted to attribute it to the fact that it's an Oz story. But if you're gonna stick to how he's how he is the same wizard he was in the original movie, where he's uh, kind of well, I'll kind of tell you. He's he's a con man. It's not going to ruin the story, but he's a con man. He's not really a wizard. Okay. And um, the main struggle was everyone believing that he would still save them from the witches that took over the Emerald City, mm-hmm. and it just it just didn't feel right. Do you I, think the CGI ruined it? At some points, the CGI was amazing. Okay, yes, I'm just going to flat out say yes. The CG ruined it because it was a movie you can obviously was filmed for 3d um, and i i can't stand that when they force shake things in your face or have mm. things pop out of the screen just because they know it's a trope for 3d it ruins it because i'm not watching in 3d i still want to watch it in 2d unless it's muppet vision it's what unless it's muppet vision yeah, muppet vision or or what's uh <laughs> what is muppet vision it's a show at california adventure yeah and at disney world but anyways it was like from the 80s and even that they're like oh 3d that means cheap 3d tricks and they're (laughs) pointing out the fact that (laughs) the muppets are so ahead of their time and it's just it was it just didn't i mean it was it was an enjoyable movie um i liked the story and how it fit into the canon but it just everything seemed forced Mm. um even even my wife mentioned that she wasn't sure if james franco could carry that movie Knowing that he's never really been a leading actor, he's always been a supporting actor. Plus, it was an amazing Oscar performance as host. Do you remember when he just gave up halfway through and got stuck? <laughs> <laughs> that that was awesome because what else could you do at that yeah. point? He was like, "Ah, oh, fuck, this ain't working." <laughs> yeah, and it's. I mean, I believed his character as Oz. Past that, I didn't care. It's worth watching, though. It really is. It's a fun movie. Yeah. But you, you, there's there's so many little drawbacks that it just leaves you wishing that they polished it a little more. Yeah, I don't think they've ever gotten. I think, um, and what's the Wicked? Yeah, <laughs> I think Wicked is actually the best revisit revisiting of the Oz world. Is that about the witch? It, it's from her perspective, right? Okay, I've heard about that, but I've never seen it. But I, yeah, that I sounds... saw that Pantages a while ago. Really? Um, and yeah, it was really good. It was actually pretty smart too. Um, that sounds awesome. Way better than I thought it would be. But, I like um, Return to Oz. I was just going to mention Return to Oz was Disney's previous attempt to. Funny story about when I was renting the the, the red box because mm-hmm. I got it there. I started talking with this guy because we were waiting for some broad to get out of the way, and um, 
Yes, I'm broad. I love, I, what are we, in the 20s yeah, now? Film noir. <laughs> I said, look here, Dave. <laughs> you get out of my way, see? Take our games and walk away. <laughs> no, but uh, we were sitting there talking about it. He was like, yeah, I, was, I meant to rent the... Take a grapefruit and smash it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we were sitting there waiting for, for the box to open up. And he mentioned that how he, he bought a bootleg copy from a, a guy that was selling DVDs out in front of the Red Box. And he's like, yeah, it's the it's the new Return to Oz movie, blah, 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 blah. He said he got home. Or no, it's the, it's the new uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. You know, he got gets home and opens it up, puts it in the DVD player. It's all stickered for Oz the Great and Powerful. And it's Return to Oz. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. What about The Wiz? Did you like The Wiz? Didn't see The Wiz. Sidney Lumet's version of the... Uh... Was that Sidney Lumet? Yeah, unbelievably. That's funny. All I know is that Michael Jackson was in it, but I've never seen it. The early 80s had all kinds of random directors taking on weird projects like um, Popeye, Robert Altman's Popeye. Why? I I used to like that movie, but of course I was seven. I haven't seen it since seven. (laughs) Just just the idea of Robert Altman's style of Popeye (laughs) is like a very slow zoom on like five conversations going on. Actually, I think I remember him doing that. It's like right at the beginning, it's like panning through the dock. He did. That's how he introduced Bluto and everything. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) So wait, you've never seen it? Now I have to. (laughs) Yeah, you really should. It's surprisingly good for being a Popeye movie. Right. Oh, maybe that was the idea. And actually, when you you, uh, mentioned that, David Fincher was going to make a Nemo movie for Disney. And I actually thought that'd be pretty cool. A Nemo Um, as in the fish? No, no, I'm sorry. As in... um, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Of course, you can't beat Kirk Douglas singing with a seal. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that version. Hey, it's really campy. <laughs> but fun. It's actually a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So what, uh, what have you been watching, uh, Austin? Well, I'm sorry, everyone, because I kind of mocked myself for, in the past, going on and on and kind of appropriating the segment. But I've, I watched a lot. Um <laughs> And it, I, I think I'm just going to have to talk about it. I, it has I, been three weeks, yes. so... First of all, since we mentioned it last week... Um, um, okay, so since I talked about it last week, Arrested Development was released, and I finally got caught up, so I started watching the new episodes. You're further along than I am, then. Have you watched any of the new episodes? Not, none of the new ones. I'm still not caught up on the... Okay, the, so you have, have you ever seen them, or are you visiting, or this is your first time? I've I watched the old ones, like... A year ago, and okay. I You're haven't, but I'm, I haven't caught up yet. Okay. I haven't, I never finished all of the old ones. Gotcha. Um, I have yet to start. I got stuck on French. Man. Um, it's, it's so funny. And as I, I think mentioned last week, the first three seasons are probably the funniest TV I, <laughs> I think I've ever seen. Um, season four, unfortunately, is not. Oh, no. Yeah. Is it um, the new season? Yeah. I've only gotten, like, seven episodes in, and episode six or seven, it was Job's segment. Um, it was really funny, and that made me really happy. Hmm. But up until then, it's it's not funny. It's oh, no. really awkward. So the magic is gone, do you think? Kind of. Like, um, they're just not into it anymore? Everyone's trying, but the fact that you can tell that everyone's trying is mm-hmm. also what makes it more painful. Um, I, I do have to say, on paper, I'm sure all this sounded pretty funny, and it's pretty inventive still. It just doesn't have that zest. They're in a tricky situation, because in a way, they're having to catch up with 10 years of not doing the show, because the show was so based in current events. Yeah. 
that they can't just skip over that. Yeah. So what they're doing, which is why I think this is its main problem, other than some episodes just aren't funny, is they're saying this is Michael's Arrested Development or this is George Sr.'s Arrested Development. So then the episode, which can be up to, like, say, 35 minutes, which is almost twice as long as an old episode yeah. because they were, like, 20 minutes with commercials, yeah. um, is featured directly on one character. So whereas the show used to have a nice mix of all these quirky characters mm-hmm. and that kind of just made it funny and constantly fresh, this you stick with one person the entire time. Now, do you think they're doing that just to kind of refresh the characters? Yeah, to an extent. And, like, they keep going back to remind you. But, I mean, everybody... The show is built on inside jokes. So you shouldn't yeah. even waste that time to remind us. Like, yeah, that's... That's even kind of taking the wind out of your sails. Like, you get it, and then they say... <laughs> I, I hate it when people do that. And it's got to be especially frustrating for somebody like you who took the time to go back through the old episodes to make sure you're current. Right. And... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and one one thing though that's interesting, and I actually was reading a review on Metacritic that was saying that this show, that the, the season might be the most perfect in that the whole show is just constantly building on itself, and that 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 is a, a trait of rest development. But I think as I'm watching it, certain things seem more funny now looking back, it because you understand, like um. There was a joke in the original show where Job is trying to get a threesome going um, with his religious girlfriend, um, and she she won't. So then he gets another Christian and and calls it the Holy Trinity that he's trying to get going, <laughs> and then she's really offended. And then later you find out that that was um, that that was uh, George Michael uh, Michael Sarah's girlfriend um that was like barely 18 that he's like so you're still into it but like before they they had it cut so like you didn't see who he was talking to so it's it's that kind of thing where going back and visiting that knowing who else is in the room it's that much funnier mm-hmm. you get a lot of that kind of humor so i think if you started the season all over once you're done with it and started rewatching it again it might be a little funnier but it's still just not there and it's really painful there's nothing worse than when you really want something is it getting good reviews? Um, mixed. Really? And like I say, it's getting funnier. So here's hoping that <clears throat> from here on out, it's just... Maybe they just needed a few episodes to get, you know, mm-hmm. the magic cranking and again. If, if the rest of it's funny, then it's really only like the first third of the season that's a little slow mm-hmm. and coming. But um, Did all the episodes come out at once like they did with House of Cards? Yeah. Okay, so it's just a matter of how fast you can go through them. Right. Awesome. I love that they still do that. Okay, so next, Star Trek Into Darkness. Did you watch it, Mikey? Oh. I, I told Mikey he should watch it so we could have a good conversation. I have it. not watched it, so please, please keep it limited. Okay. Um, man. I'm sorry. I, I guess I'm I'll, so terribly sorry. No, that's all right. I guess I could say, um, I mean, who's to say if the viewer or listener at home has seen it and maybe they don't want it blown. Um, I really disliked the first, say, 15 minutes of the movie. And I disliked the last 15 to 20 minutes of the movie. Hmm. The rest of the movie I thought was fantastic. So show up late and leave early. (laughs) Just like church. (laughs) Um, That's funny. (laughs) Or a Miami Heat game. (laughs) (laughs) A little topical humor for you. But but even then, when when I left and I just kind of let the experience soak in, 
Um, it's a fantastic action movie, which is still kind of what we were talking about, how it, to you it feels Trekkie, to me it feels more like a Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, yeah. I, I watched a few more episodes of Next Gen and HD, and I enjoyed those more. Oh, really? So you liked it, or you liked it less than the first one? Yes, I did. And did it feel more Star Warsy than the first one, or less? Less, but only because it... Well, okay, this is complicated. I think I'll get into it a little bit. I'll, I'll try not to spoil anything. No, you're good. But, um, first of all, it does connect with the second Star Trek movie, mm. The Wrath of Khan. Um, oh. which, is there a Khan? Well, I wouldn't want to. No, oh, okay, yeah. Don't, but, don't um, Cumberbunch. Cumberbunch. Cumberbatch? Whatever. Kabyashi Maru? <laughs> no, Cumberbatch. Sherlock. He's the. He doesn't the, watch Sherlock. I know that he's the main villain. He's, uh, oh, uh, yeah, the Starfleet officer turned bad. I know that, uh, yeah, whatever. Robocop? No, Cumberbunch. I don't know who Cumberbatch. <laughs> God damn it. Anyways, this is a disastrous whiskey movie. Um, <laughs> but, uh, one, one thing that happens is that there's some allusions to terrorism and to us becoming what we hate in order to fight it and, it, it seems like a dangerous line to cross with Star Trek. An interesting line, but a dangerous one, because Star Trek is built on the premise that you're not thinking about <laughs> if there's something like a transporter, and you can just transport anywhere. Like I think that would probably signify the collapse of civilization. <laughs> just People would be being kidnapped left and right <laughs> of their rooms, and you could go into anybody's house. and yeah. um so it, it is something that we're experiencing right now, especially in the news with um, surveillance and all this stuff that's going on, uh, or Orwellian nightmare scenarios that are becoming more real by the day, and you can't go back. The technology is there. How do we police this without becoming something that's just going to lead to our annihilation, mm-hmm. I guess? So it's interesting that it's addressing it at the same time it just totally kills that spirit of adventure that we've, that Picard monologue that we were once a, a barbarian race and now we're now mm-hmm. a great race that has learned to taper our base instincts and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but see, now that you say that, now I want to see it even more because the fact that it's, it's having such a, a diatribe on society mm-hmm. It is exactly what, uh, uh, I can't think of his name now, the creator Roddenberry, Roddenberry yeah, envisioned. Because he always, he was always doing some, <clears throat> some, uh, dialogue about how society needs to change for the better. Right. And so if it's dealing with that type of situation, I, I I'm actually more interested to see it because I, I they're pan, they're, they're playing to that same theme. Mm-hmm. And, and I totally agree, but I would much rather have, like it's it's really all expressed through action, <laughs> rather than dialogue. And like there's um, Kirk is more of a Nietzschean whatever well whatever it takes at the beginning, and then Spock is more of a utilitarian greater good, and then that's more or less the entire philosophical like that. Other than we shouldn't abuse our power, like <laughs> oh, okay, it, it doesn't really get into the nitty gritty. Um, but like I say, as an action film, it's Fun, funny, like 
really exciting at times. I don't see a lot of action movies, especially not in the theater. So maybe that was just me being like, "Wow!" <laughs> now, I know in the first movie they didn't really they didn't have the crew really assembled. Did they mm-hmm. really play out well off of each other? Kind of, but like I said, everything's moving in a mile a minute. Yeah, everything's in warp fast, drive. Really. Did this make you believe that? the Star Wars franchise is in good hands now with J.J. Abrams? Or just shook your faith in that? First of all, okay. It set up the ending, and... No, I can't. La, la, la. No, no, no. Okay, if I told you that there's going to be another one, probably, that's not spoiling You could tell me that there's going to be seven more, and I'd be just as happy as if you... Okay. Yeah. So the fact that they're probably going to make a Star Trek 3, or... What is it? I hope that they make like seven of them. Okay, so what they set it off as is kind of like set it off. Oh, how 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 it kind of caps is like one of those great, like you remember the original series when everyone would, would assemble on the bridge and then Kirk would say something about maybe someday we'll do something <laughs> and then like take us out or something like that. You know, that's kind of next Engage. gen too. Yeah, exactly. Next gen. Um, it kind of ended with that spirit of exploration. So I hope that we're done getting our infancy period taken care of, and next time we can just go out there and explore. At the same time, the movies have always been about reacting through some scenario. You know, the TV show is where you explore. Yeah. The, the movies were, this is the end of the universe. It's we need a to crisis. Fix it. Right. The movies are about solving a crisis. So, in a way, it messes up the timeline, because Star Trek Two is, like, well after <laughs> the series. You know? Yeah. So yeah. the fact that we went from height or uh, training to then Star Trek Two is like skipping all the exploration. And so I don't know. Um, like I said, I, I really hated the ending. There's some huge gaps in logic. I just so now you are worried for Star Wars. But no, Star Wars is fine. I, I just think everything that I liked about Star Trek is dead. Mm. But it might come back if J.J. Abrams moves on. I don't think... Is he going to do the next Star Trek? Have you heard? I haven't heard. Probably not, because he's going to be busy with the Star Wars. Right. Is he doing all all the Star Wars movies, or just the main features? Because they're supposed to do five movies in the next five years. Yeah, I I don't think he's doing this... I don't think he's doing the spin-offs. Like the Boba Fett and stuff like that. The Boba Fett and Han Solo stories? Yeah. Boba Fett, where? (laughs) I saw a dialogue. <laughs> uh, okay, what else do I have on this sheet packed of movies? Oh yeah, so um, real quick while we're talking about Trek, um, first of all, I also watched First Contact. That's as good as ever. Have you seen First Contact? Yeah. First Contact with Jodie Foster? No, no Star no, no. Trek First Contact. Oh no. Uh, First Contact is the one where they go back in time because of the Borg, right. and they meet up with uh, the inventor, which is the inventor of the warp drive, mm-hmm. and he takes his first flight. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's... You know, is that the one where Spock pinches that dude for playing his radio too loud on the bus? <laughs> no, that one's great. That was okay. That's four. But, okay. um... <laughs> the that song here is like, I hate you, I despise you, I hate you too. The only question is, how many megatons? <laughs> 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 I watched it a lot as a kid, which which kind of ties into what I, I discovered. You know, I was downplaying my my trekky nature yes. earlier, and I realized I go on this really weird spurts where I'm like, I would never go to a convention, 
And then suddenly I become so obsessed with Star Trek that I'm literally looking at conventions <laughs> and like, oh man, I missed one. <laughs> and I'm watching like all these old specials. I've, I've actually read William Shatner's Star Trek memory and the Star Trek movie memories. And actually they're really funny. There's a, there's a Patrick Stewart documentary where he meets up with all the captains. Oh yeah, I've seen that too. Yeah. Um, I like, um, and what's his, Cisco or whatever his name is? He is fucking crazy. He is a lunatic. That guy is so off his damn rocker. I don't know who that is. He's playing the piano the entire time. Yeah. He like, is just insane. Who is that? Is He's he an actor in Star Trek? Space Nine captain. Right. Oh, okay. Um, Jesus. I, I can, and every time they, they do like a talking head documentary and he's in there, he's like, well, you gotta say, he knew what he was talking about, <laughs> right? Like, that's all he ever says. Like, he doesn't like ever, like, it seems like he didn't have any good memories about Star Trek and it was like a job and like he's blowing it off. Yeah. I don't know if he's insane, he just seemed to be blowing off William Shatner. William Shatner is asking him about, what do you think about life after death? And he's just like playing like jazz tunes, like, I don't know. <laughs> it was, it's kind of like when uh, when Morpheus, whatever that guy's name is, uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne took on the role for CSI in an interview. He's like, "Well, you know, I've never actually seen the show, but I think I can act it out." <laughs> and it's like, "Really?" And then the show gets canceled like two seasons later. It's funny, but I think Deep Space. I've, I've not. I have actually haven't seen it, but it sounds interesting. Is it good? I I've tried watching it, and I can't get through it. Um, Deep Space Nine. That wasn't Bruce Boxleitner or whatever. What? No. Bruce Spockleitner? Yeah, wasn't he the captain in Deep, Deep Space Nine? No, I'm not a Trekkie, so I'm just no, no, I think going was, off the commercials his, that I saw. His name was Cisco, right? Yeah, that was his character's name. Yeah, but yeah. I forget. I, I since I haven't watched the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I thought it was either Bruce Boxleitner or uh, Scott Bakula. That was Enterprise, and then Janeway oh, was uh, Janeway Voyager. was Voyager. And okay. speaking of the captain's doc, I mean, obviously Patrick Stewart is the greatest human being alive, and that comes through with everything he does. Like, recently he did some Comic-Con or something where someone was talking about abuse, and just as honestly as anything, he was talking about how his father abused his mother and how he abused him, and, like, just went on, like, an eight-minute thing that was, like, the most heartfelt, beautiful, eloquent thing I've ever heard. Like, Patrick Stewart's probably my favorite human being <laughs> entertaining. Oh, also that he... he he thinks that his his turn in um, extras was that the uh, Ricky Jarvis show. Do you know what I'm talking about? Jarvis oh. show? No. You know who he is, right? No. Am I saying his name right? Gervais? Ricky? Huh? Gervais? Ricky Jarvis? Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais. Is yeah. his name Gervais? Gervais. Yeah. yeah. Man, I've, I've I've heard it from like three different people called Jarvis. That's okay. <laughs> Gervais. Okay. Um. Anyways, there's this episode where he he goes into Patrick Stewart's trailer, and Patrick Stewart is like. He's playing himself, but apparently he's trying to get the script made where, like, everything's about sex. And, um, man, that's really funny. Just just how sincerely <laughs> Patrick Stewart plays this. And he, the fact that he lists that as one of his three greatest accomplishments. <laughs> that, that reminds me of the time he was hosting Saturday Night Live and he played the... Uh, the man who owned the erotic bakery. <laughs> and every time somebody would come in for like an erotic cake for a bachelor party, right. the cake was always decorated with a woman peeing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he would, he would get into these arguments with the customer about how a woman peeing is erotic <laughs> and try and convince them to pay for the cake. <laughs> And if you could imagine Patrick Stewart yeah, doing that. Exactly. Everything he does is at, at like the Shakespeare level, so it just brings yeah. so much nobility to these <laughs> despicable things. I love him. Anyway, so I started watching Voyager because um I ran out of HD Star Trek 
because Amazon only has the first two seasons. Have you, have you seen Enterprise? I, I thought maybe I'd, I'd tackle that later. By the way, Scott Bakula seems like a stand-up guy, right? Captains? He, he's an okay captain. Yeah. Quantum he's, leap, necessary reference. Right. I just mean, I just mean, very likable. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's always Major been a, League three or four. He's always been a likable presence. Um, if he can get over his fascination with water polo, he's actually a pretty good captain. <laughs> I haven't seen the show. I was talking about the captains movie where uh, William Shatner's talking to Scott Bakula uh, on his horse ranch or whatever. I don't know. I couldn't get past the Cisco part. Oh really? That guy was, yeah, that guy was. I was watching it at work, and I. Patrick Stewart actually considers William Shatner one of his best friends. I find that really, really unbelievable. But oh, apparently, wow. they really like each other. Yeah, because every time I've seen an interview that Shatner was talking about the original or panning it off to TNG, they were like, "No, this is like the worst thing ever." Yeah, everyone was defensive. Scotty Doohan apparently just refused to watch it, and his family would be like, "No, it's good." And he's like, "No, we're a Star Trek. We're a Star." Trek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, um, Voyager. It's like a B-side of Star Trek. It's it's like, I don't know. Have you watched any it's of it? It's the Lost in Space of Star Trek. Yeah, exactly. And there's a there's an interesting premise behind it. Like, if they followed through. If you followed through the idea that it takes 70 years to get home. And you have warp drive. Right. Because um, they get sent to the Delta Quadrant or something like that. By the caretaker who's this dude with a banjo. Like... I've never seen a show get set up so terribly. Like, oh, come the, on. Q was pretty bad. No, Q's awesome. <laughs> Is Voyager the one with the female captain? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I know what you're talking about. And to be honest, I like the crew to an extent. Certain people are just like this guy named Tom Paris, who's like a womanizer. Like, I don't know what they were thinking. He's, he's such a like one episode he goes down and has sex with the wife of like the guy that is trying to help them or something like that. He's like, what? Their marriage was on the ropes. <laughs> Pretty sure that's not what you do as a Starfleet officer. He's like the Jersey Shore guy from on Star Trek. But um, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who's the hottest person in the Star Trek franchise? You are putting me on the spot. Um, you know, sometimes Beverly Crusher is pretty fetching, but um, I'm going to have to say it is... Well, I haven't gotten to the point where Jerry Ryan's in it, but she's hot. Hmm. Is Crusher the one with the really like black curly hair? No, no. that's uh, Deanna Troy. Crusher's the doctor with the red hair. Uh, yeah. So who's Deanna Wesley's Troy's mom? Yeah, Wesley's mom. Uh, okay. Deanna Troy is the counselor with. Um, yeah, and she was dating Captain Picard's yeah, second in command Riker, with the beard. Riker. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That, right, she yeah, is she, by far the hottest. She's hot. Yes. Um, but. I don't know, the chick from Enterprise is pretty damn hot. See, I, then I haven't gotten to Enterprise yet. And believe it or not, somewhere in my Trek obsession, like, it's been bad. Like, I, I visit this site called Trek Core, and I get the behind-the-scenes scoop of each episode, and I, each episode that I've watched. I, you may I, as well just go to a convention, because you're doing all these other things that are even beyond the people who go to the conventions. <laughs> you're in such trekky denial right now. I, I've curbed it, because Voyager is so terrible. Like, I know people oh, that no. don't play WoW that go to BlizzCon, but yet you've, like, played WoW, you're, you're working at Blizzard, but you won't go to the show. <laughs> you just get in, like, these weird... And I, I think it's because at, at a certain point you realize... There's a lot of things about Star Trek that are just kind of dumb, and I, I hate to—I really hate to even say that because I like it, but it's true. And you kind of snap out that th- this camaraderie you're feeling—it's—it's it's really just not happening. And then you move on to other things. But um, yeah, Voyager's just like it's set up so poorly. Okay, the the loneliness of space. 
the fact that it takes like 70 years, which is like a human lifetime to get back home. Um, the fact that you have finite number of supplies, the ships are damaged, all this stuff could make a great show. But like, they're destroying shuttlecrafts left and right. Like two episodes ago in season two, somebody did like a kamikaze and like, they impaled the Enterprise, or the Voyager, and then they got out, and they started doing, like, trying to do this coup d'etat. So, like, they can't go into warp drive, because they've got, like, another ship sticking in their ship. And then all, like, they never solved that, but the next episode, everything's fine. Like, everybody just walks around it. They're like, ah, oh, I'm gonna go to bed now, and they lean up against the ship that's stuck, <laughs> stuck through their ship. Yeah, I wish my room was on the outer circle. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's such a mixed bag because sometimes they actually do play up the thematic elements of the show really well. There's been a couple of great episodes, and I actually generally like the crew. But yeah, I can't wait to get season three in HD of <laughs> the next gen. Wait till you get to, to Enterprise, where it's like the half the first season is them blundering through space without shields, only hull, polarized hull plating. They don't have phasers, and they they don't have phase torpedoes. They have regular torpedoes. Okay, he talks Trek. Like, I, I don't know how the Trek, <laughs> the Trek babble. <laughs> like, that's have pretty you ever been to a actually. convention, Mikey? Never. I would love to go, but I've never been to one. All right, well, next time, Mikey, you and I. We'll go holding hands. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be the fish dude. Do you remember in... Um, I'll be Scotty. Do you remember in uh, <laughs> the next gen, there's, like, these random fish dudes that are beamed... And like they're in like a state of coma. Yes, yes. Yeah. And like they're they're being they're they're in the coma state until they can get to the the diplomatic relations. Right, but then like there's like this this big bowl of like fish guts, and like they go over and like ah, <laughs> I'm gonna be one of that guy. <laughs> it's all in one episode. <laughs> I think they're yeah. You the more the more obscure your costume in the Trek right. convention, the everyone more, would know who you are. Yeah, right? the more respect you get. It's like Galaxy Quest. Hmm. Guys, I'm not even halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, shut up now. I'm going to go refresh my mochatina. I saw uh, Before Midnight. Finally saw that. Ah, you know, I we had a free HBO weekend or whatever, mm-hmm. and Before Sunrise was on, and I recorded it, and uh, I haven't watched it yet. I turned it on, and then like the title sequences started coming on. <laughs> And then I was like, nah, I don't want to watch this. And I turned it off. Well, watch it in parts, and I think I'll have a better time. Okay, I will try. I'll make a go of it. Um, Talking about title sequences, what about that uh, Birdemic, huh? Huh? (laughs) Yeah, you're getting ahead of yourself. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, before midnight, was was it everything you hoped and dreamed it would be? Well, that's a tricky one. I don't want to ruin it for anyone. (laughs) If one of our three listeners are huge. Three? Holy crap, is he optimistic? Uh, link later before fans, I guess you'd call the series before. Um, I don't want to ruin it, but I think it might be the best, which is, I can't think of any other trilogy where I would say that. Um, it's, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, especially if you care about the characters, which is actually probably a bigger hint than I should probably give. Um, and, uh, to be honest, at a certain point, like especially the last hour, I completely stopped thinking about them as, I mean, subconsciously, I'm sure I pulled back information, but just, you're not going to say this dialogue doesn't sound natural because, mm. <laughs> my God, this is like the most gut-wrenching. No, so he got better at writing. No, because, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I don't think like that's true. These are just two interesting people and like the way they're relating to each other is telling each other facts or 
just letting their minds go on different things. And it is actually kind of funny because some things like in the first one, they asked, do you believe in reincarnation? And she says, uh, I think so. Maybe. And then he, he says something that makes reincarnation seem really stupid. <laughs> but then in the next one, she, um, he asked, do you believe in reincarnation? Cause they don't, you know, remember everything they talked about. She's like, now how would I believe in that? So it, it's pretty funny. Like it, not funny, but also like they, they address something like they played pinball in the first one. Mm. And she's like, um, men are so funny because the only way you can get them like confident and to have like good sex is to make them feel like they're winning at something. You remember when I let you play pinball? I was like, whoops, it keeps going down the middle of the uh, <laughs> aisle. I don't know what to do. So like, it's still feeding back on that. But, um, yeah, it's brutal. It's emotional. It's, it's perfect. It's one of the better American films I've seen in a long time. So, even if you haven't seen the other two, well, well never mind. See the other two. <laughs> they're also terrific films. Hey, way to go, Bad News Bears director. <laughs> yes, exactly. Linklater. And Linklater has another one. I, I might have mentioned it, but um, it's been taking like seven years to film. Hmm. It also has Ethan Hawke in it. And it's just like, it's like a family story. So you're going to get like seven years of life in this one family. Like, they have young kids who start And he literally took seven years intentionally, so the same kids would be seven right. years older and at the end? Still filming. I don't think it's done until 2014. Nice. I've always thought that was, like, an interesting idea for a movie, like, if you started and... Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's that's kind of cool. I'd like to see that. Right. So, and you definitely get a lot of that with this series. Wouldn't it be ironic if one of the kids turned out to have like that Gary Coleman disease where they never look like they got any older? So he wasted seven years making this movie because the kid looks the same. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, real quick, I'll just mention I watched Escape from Alcatraz. It's a 79 um, Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot like Shawshank. I was actually surprised. There's, there's quite a few little, like a benevolent elderly, elderly man with a pet rodent. Doesn't he feed maggots to a pet rodent under the table the guy I, you know i've only seen like 10 minutes of this movie when i was five years old no no so. i'm talking about shawshank oh oh shawshank um isn't the guy who... there's a guy that feeds rats or birds i can't remember right one and then you know you have the warden who's a complete asshole and mm-hmm. then you have um an interracial relationship uh really a lot there that's it's pretty crazy um it's a completely different tonal film though like whereas shawshank's Broadly dramatic. Oh, yeah, also a guy that likes to have sex and is trying to get Clint Eastwood in the ass. There's there's that element where he Well, gets, that's kind of any, that, that, any, that's any prison movie, movie cliche. Yeah. It just seemed... I don't know. But of all the guys to fuck in the ass, Clint Eastwood really... Yeah, <laughs> like, it's not going to work. Yeah, Talk about you, true grit. Yeah, you do jack off with sandpaper, too? Um... <laughs> And I also think it's kind of funny that Siegel directed that he's the Dirty Harry director. So you have this movie where you're like, whatever it takes to get these criminals behind bars. And then you have this movie where you don't even care what these guys have done. <laughs> it's a celebration of getting behind the repression of the oppression of the man. Um, just kind of a funny contradiction. It was okay, though. I, it was, it was. Do you think he did it as a reaction? Like, I don't want to be pigeonholed as this type, so he goes and does the opposite? I don't know, because I, I don't... Clint Eastwood's still Clint Eastwood. Clint yeah. Eastwood's still... Like, he's not really playing that character. He's just like, eh, I'm going to say something like this now. <laughs> uh, I like Clint Eastwood. I'm not making fun of him at all. But his earlier roles, until he started starring with an orangutan, I'm not sure what that was all about. I like Clint Eastwood as an actor, but not as a director. Huh? Unforgiven's good. That's 
where it stops. Um, <laughs> you like uh, Perfect World, right? Did he do? Oh, he did. I do like a Perfect World. And Mystic River is great. Um, I hated Mystic River, and I hated like one of the worst movies ever, uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Yeah, that's bad. That. That terrible, <laughs> terrible. And then uh, Million Dollar Baby, everybody loved it. I hated it. Oh, that was um, crap. And then uh, the other one he directed, Gran Torino, was crap. Terrible ending. Gran Torino was good. Yeah, it was a good setup, but yeah, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Racist old man. It's like Paula Deen. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> Yeah, that's another topic. <laughs> um, and I guess since we're not going to talk about that one, uh, I'll just say that literally a few hours ago, I just got done seeing um, the Bling Ring with my the Bling Ring best friend. Um, I haven't heard of it. Yeah, it's uh, Sofia Coppola's new movie. It just came out. Oh, okay. Um, Sofia Coppola, Lost in Translation, obviously, Rob, or Francis Ford Coppola's daughter. Um, definitely the most talented of the Coppola children. In terms of directing, not necessarily acting. Well, that's not her fault. She gets. <laughs> she said she didn't even want to do these roles that she gets thrown into. She, I, she's, I haven't even seen the movie, but I just have heard the stories about how bad she is in The Godfather 3, I think. She has a small cameo in Tucker, uh, Man in His Dreams, and she did fine. She was smiling, oh. and that's the camera panned by her. <laughs> but um, anyways, this one has... Uh, Hermione Granger, what's her name? Emma Watson. Yeah, and um, some other younger actresses. A lot of a lot of people. She's the only name that I actually know. Um, it's it's about the true story of those um, kids that would rob, like they they'd find out Paris Hilton's out of town, and then they go over to her house and rob her, hmm. or uh, Orlando Bloom or uh, Lindsay Lohan. But they're just um, like completely obsessed with the shallow materialistic culture um and the the film's interesting in that rarely does it even go out of its way to make a comment on it 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 sort of just gives them the leash to hang themselves Mm. um i thought like the first line the film was great they're breaking into paris hilton's house and she says let's go shopping and then there's like a montage of them going through her stuff but like everything's like all of her shoes are lined up it almost looks like a storefront so you get this idea and i think they even mentioned it that paris hilton didn't know she was getting robbed for the first few times because she's got so much crap <laughs> <laughs> so there's nothing personal about this in a way they are going shopping because they can afford anything that they want anyways it, it, it's this weird um disconnect in that they don't understand at least most of them don't understand that their behavior in, in the least bit, especially some of them are just emphatically like, um, the only male, he's this gay guy that, um, he, he goes to school and he doesn't really feel accepted. And then he starts getting into this crowd. He, he's, he's the only one that's really like, um, I think I heard something or we should go. And like the main one that's like, dude, like nobody's coming, chill out. Like she, she's just so confident. It's like, um, in, in adolescence, you're egocentric. You have this some, something called the personal fable where you believe that your life is inherently special. Mm-hmm. And you got this great destination and therefore nothing bad can happen to you. I still believe that. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so that, that's why like kids drive drunk or, you know, whatever is because they just believe, you know, well, yeah. what can happen to me? I've got this great future. Yep. Um, so that, that with the culture, with like, Facebook, the celebra- the narcissism of Facebook, the celebration of materialism, TMZ, like there's a like this joke, like oh Lindsay Lohan got another D- uh, DUI, and everyone laughs, and then someone gets a DUI, and like for a second, 
It's it's real. She's getting mugshot. She's bruised. She looks very unhappy. And then they're back at school, and she's making jokes about it. Mm-hmm. So, like, you, you see how this environment just keeps correcting itself. Anyways, she's a really smart director. It's not getting great reviews because they're saying that she's not making a comment. But she's very much making a comment. It's just a really smart, subtle one. So, um, mm-hmm. Highly recommend The Bling Ring. The Bling Ring. Just a quick question. This is a true story. Did... Do these rich people not have like advanced security systems or? No, oh, that's that's the amazing thing. Like Paris Hilton had us apparently. Um, I'm assuming this is all true. She had a key under the mat, <laughs> and it, it makes sense because she'd come home drunk or something like that. Like yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's really amazing is she's in the movie. Like they're like, hey, that's Paris Hilton over there. I'm like yeah, she comes here a lot. And like they feel really good about partying. They're like all like 17 or something like that, and mm-hmm. they're constantly getting drunk and um, doing coke and all this shit. But um, hooray coke! Also, like the way they phrase it is like, let's go over to Paris's. Like they they phrase it like, like they're going friends. yeah or like Disneyland or like I really yeah. like the way this place feels. Like it, it's it's like this total obliviousness to reality um really shows how environment <laughs> shapes people because it's just like that orange county cocoon their parents uh i love it like one of their moms is like homeschooling them the secret <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's so it's sad and funny and yeah it's it's a really good movie it's probably what um somewhere lost in translation and this are her no, I think her three main films. Hmm. So unbl- this might come as a shock, but I'm done. All right. <laughs> what? I don't believe it. <laughs> you guys were at least talking about the track part. I don't, I I don't feel like I was monologuing too long, was I? <laughs> Crickets. No. This, this is now the Trek cast. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, John, uh, care to mention anything you've been watching? Um, let's see. I have been <clears throat> watching... You know what is surprising? And I was... This is... That Austin is finished. <laughs> Aside from that, it was very <laughs> shocking to me that I watched Spaceballs and it wasn't funny at all. I don't believe you. How long has it been since you watched it? About two years. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, never mind then. Austin, how long has it been since you watched Spaceballs? Uh, it's probably nine. Do you, you remember it fondly as a funny movie? Um, I remember not getting the pick joke, and now <laughs> getting the pick joke. The pick joke. When, like, oh, yeah, when they're combing, the, the, combing the desert. Okay, yeah. yes. Um, okay. Uh, the last time I watched that was probably nine or ten. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I thought it was hilarious, and I've always remembered it fondly as a funny movie. And then I saw it on this free HBO whatever weekend that I had and so I recorded it because my son is 10 and I was like oh he'll think this is hilarious and we watched it together and the movie's barely funny at all like the jokes did not stand the test of time um, I mean I know Mel Brooks kind of started to lose his touch at the end of his career but dare I say even Robin Hood Men in Tights was funnier than Spaceballs is and now I I kind of understand why when people talk about Mel Brooks's classics, they, they usually leave Spaceballs out and they talk about Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein and stuff like that. Um, because the jokes, they didn't stand up well. I mean, there's a whole 15-minute segment that's dedicated to riffing on Alien 1, but it wasn't funny. I, I don't know. It didn't 
Didn't stand up for me, but you just watched it two years ago. You still think it's funny? I have a stamp at work that has Mr. Stamp on it. (laughs) I love that damn movie. But so many of the jokes were just like, this is a movie. Like when the bad guys were chasing the good guys and they catch them. And then it's revealed that, oh, you didn't really catch the good guys. You just caught their stunt doubles. Um, And then there's another part where... (laughs) where. Like they're they're transitioning from one scene to the next, and you hear Mel Brooks's voice in the background go, "Nice dissolve." <laughs> <laughs> See, okay, this movie's much funnier to talk about than it is to watch, Austin. Or like the bleeps, the creeps, and the sweeps. Yes, and then or the, we got jammed. All the talk about the merchandising that's going on, and I do think Piece of the Hut getting Pizza of the Hut was funny. Walking <laughs> into his car and the, eating the, himself. The yeah. jamming, you know, yes. the jamming was funny. And even the part where, you know, they kind of uh, pulled out the videotape and watched the current movie as it was being filmed to find out where the good guys were. Did your son at least laugh at the joke about the Schwartz being longer than the other Schwartz? Mm, You know, I don't remember. Or just as long as mine. Do you think that would probably go over his head? Um, You know, honestly, I don't know if I... I might not have even been in the room at that point because I don't remember that. (laughs) Or he could have not been laughing, so don't let Dad know that I think this is funny. I don't know. That was my reaction. He laughed quite a bit, so he thought it was funny. So maybe it's a good movie for 10-year-olds, but um, I I didn't think it stood... I I don't think it stood the test of time. Uh, um, I'll just say that I know Mikey really likes Mel Brooks movies. Like He's even a defender of Dracula Dead and loving it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which I would freely assign to someone as a shitty movie. Yeah. You know, I've never seen that one. <laughs> At the same time, uh, you know, I, I think if you're in a good, like, if you're just in that mood to be nostalgic and to to enjoy it, not not to say, okay, movie, what do you got for me? But yeah. Well, I think I was in that mood because okay. I was like, I was like, yes, now I get to record Spaceballs for my son and we get to watch it together and laugh. And mm-hmm. I, I was looking forward to watching the movie that I remember fondly as being funny. Yeah. And I was just sorely disappointed. With to be that. honest, if you want to see like superb Mel Brooks, watch like an old, old animated copy or if you can find it on YouTube, a live standup of 2000 year old man. That is like mm-hmm. by far his funniest thing he's ever done. I've never seen it. So I will look it up. Now, did your so you like everything Mel Brooks has ever done, or do you even admit no, that he's done some bad stuff? No, I, I don't. I, I'm not a particular. I, I get the comedy of Silent Picture. I'm not a fan of it. There's some things in Silent Movie that I yeah, really there, laugh. At. There's some things that are funny, but I just it yeah. doesn't. I don't like Silent Picture. History of the World Part One, I think, is funny in the beginning, but then gets really boring. Yeah, it gets very slapsticky uh, after the Inquisition. Um, and I think the one that I, I think High Anxiety is the one that I, I like the least of his movies. Mm. What about, have you seen Life Stinks? Let me tell you. I was just about to say, Life Stinks, for me, is possibly one of the funniest movies. Oh, you shut up. I swear to God, the, like the Pepto jokes. No the way. Fucking, like oh. his 11s are up. I love that damn movie. That is the worst that might be the worst movie ever. Not even the worst Mel Brooks movie ever. Yeah, I remember Jack seeing it with... <laughs> What's funny is I didn't get Dracula Dead and Loving It until way after because, oh. like, because, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, uh Leslie Nielsen, like, so overacted everyone else in that movie that it just, I didn't get it. But I remember seeing, uh, Dead and Loving, or not Dead and Loving, but, uh, Life Stinks. Life Stinks in the theater. Like, I vividly remember that and having a 
grand old time. I have the DVD. Really? God, I cannot believe that. I saw that in the theater, too, and I thought it was terrible. And I was like, well, Mel Brooks has lost it. When was that released? Uh, Life Stinks was after... It was like 90... Was it after Men in Tights or before Men in Tights? After Men in Tights. Are you serious? I I always thought that was like an 80s movie. Let's see. It was was either right before or right after Men in Tights. It was somewhere in that era. I want to say it was like right after because I think it was that was one that he... uh, um, did because of I, I thought it was because he made up had the money to make it after Men in Tights. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not. Yeah, just just for the record, I'm not a fan of Mel Brooks. Period. Yeah, don't especially don't watch Life Stinks. That will make you even less of a fan. <laughs> yeah, even like Young Frankenstein, I'm just I Frankenstein. Yes, <laughs> you didn't like it. It's okay, I, I like Young Frankenstein. I, I don't have any bad will against it. It's just yeah. Blazing Saddles. Yeah, I don't know. Like a lot of it's just very. I mean, I, I don't. I'm going to sound pretentious. I guess I have to say. It. I think a lot of it's very lowbrow. Yeah, well, oh, it is obviously. very lowbrow. That's kind of his specialty. But yeah, but but at the same time, like okay, like like the when they're singing the the song um, about their town. I, I forget. It's been forever since I've seen it. That part's funny. Yeah, I don't remember that part. But like oh. the campfire farting scene, for instance, like th- there's levels of cleverness that you can be and still be under the yeah. umbrella of lowbrow. <laughs> I, I think that in terms of lowbrow humor, the like airplane is better than any, oh, yeah. any Mel Brooks movie. Yeah, and that's that's more absurd humor. That I'm not even sure that's. I mean, that does go into lowbrow, but a lot of that's mm. really clever. Yeah. <laughs> Did that make you upset, Mikey? No, I just I, and don't call me Shirley. Yes, that's very clever. Yes, but see, that's not Leslie Nielsen's perfect. In that like that's before Leslie Nielsen even knew he was being funny. Like <laughs> he was so serious in that and in the Naked Gun. Yep. So it was it was Spaceballs, Life Stinks, and then Robin Hood Men in Tights. Oh, okay, so and then was... Silence of the Hams. Uh, I never watched that one, but I bet it's terrible. Yeah, that sounds like that it. wasn't who that wasn't acted. That wasn't like him doing it. But then Dracula did and loving it, and then it was pretty much nothing after that. Hmm. Was that his last movie? That's the movie he hung his career on? No, I mean, he's done a lot of, like, uncredited and voice work. Yeah, but I mean, as far as directing, and it seems like it. He's pretty anyway. self-deprecating about his own career. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he doesn't like much of what he's done. <laughs> Um, I also watched a movie that I've really been looking forward to watching. Sorry, the yes. produ- the remake of the producers was his really last big one. Okay, that's yeah, I mean it was already made. Yeah, I didn't even like the producers too much. Anyway, I was I've been hearing about this movie and I've been really looking forward to watching it. And thanks to free HBO Showtime Max Weekend, <laughs> um, I finally got to watch Killer Joe. Have either of you heard of this movie? No. That's the freaking movie. Uh, yes, um, and. Uh, by based on a play by Tracy Lett. Did you see Bug? Because that was the last collaboration they had. Um, mm-hmm. I hear it's a gross movie. I maybe I'll watch it someday. Um, but Killer Joe has Matthew McConaughey playing a policeman who moonlights as a hitman, and there's this white trailer trash family that hires him to kill their mother slash wife, um, and they don't have enough money to pay him up front, so he takes he he accepts a retainer of uh, basically the girl from the family, which is the brothers, the brother who hires Killer Joe, his sister. She's of age, you know, she's over eighteen or whatever, but she's maybe even semi-retarded. <laughs> but for some reason, Killer Joe is smitten with her. He thinks she's the hottest thing since sliced bread, 
And uh, that's probably not the right way to use that metaphor. Because <laughs> <laughs> sliced bread is not really considered hot. Yeah. But um, well, anyway. If you slice it while it's warm, it is. There you go. He he's uh, She's the hottest thing since <laughs> toasted buns. <laughs> and, and he's smitten with her. So he says, all right. You can pay me the 25000 after I do the deed instead of up front, but um, I get to fuck your sister as much as I want until you pay me. And that's basically the deal. And so Killer Joe basically moves into their house and just fucks the sister every night. And that's kind of the storyline. But uh, um, Matthew McConaughey has a, a really good performance. It's a very, very dark movie. Um, and it's really entertaining up until... The fucking stops? Nah, yeah, well, no. I mean, up until the end, uh, like the last ten minutes or so, it kind of starts to get a little ridiculous, and then it's one of those movies that doesn't end. It just stops. Mm. Um, so I think it's worth it for the ride. I would recommend it. A uh, little disappointed with the way that things shaked out, but or the way things shook out. I'm a little drunk. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I would recommend it just for seeing the McConaughey performance. I think it was good, um, interesting movie, and very, very dark and very disturbing, which I apparently is the only kind of movie I can watch these days. <laughs> <laughs> Spaceballs had more coercion of sex with mildly retarded sisters. It might have been a little better, huh? <laughs> exactly. There is a... Uh, or wives fucking other men in front of their husbands. Oh, there's... Speaking of which, there is kind of a... Um, you know, he he makes a wife. He holds a uh, chicken leg from Kentucky Fried Chicken mm. up next like it was a penis. And he right. makes the wife suck it in front of her husband. That's, suck on my chicken bone. That's a little disturbing. It is. For very, multiple reasons. Very disturbing. Did he ask her to go upstairs and brush her hair? No. No, nothing that dirty whoa, or disturbing. Whoa, whoa. Oh, come on, Mikey. I still have some taste. Let's push the beds together. <laughs> That's <Fuming>. all. <laughs> Disappointed. <laughs> what is that from? Fish called Wanda. Yes. <laughs> um, also, what were we? Oh, uh, no. Man, it was there. We were talking about disturbing things. Human oh, centipede. No, bad oh. lieutenant. Um, oh yeah, you guys seen that? The Nick, the Nicholas Cage one. Yes, the, uh, you, I I watched it, but I can hardly remember much of it because you must have been really drunk. Because that's a very memorable <laughs> I, I probably was, but I I think you can't watch that movie without just constantly comparing it to the original Bad Lieutenant. And uh, I um, thought it was. Yeah, kind of. It's really so. It was enjoyable, but I, I just thought it was much more tame than than the Harvey Keitel Bad Lieutenant. So it, it's really surreal and crazy, like in, in a way that, like, do you remember um, the iguanas and all that when he's like, because yes. he's so high or whatever. He's like, yes. Why are there iguanas in the room? And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of watching like the police dragnet, we're watching the iguanas yeah. and like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that scene where um, he's trying to get more coke and. There's people coming out of the club, and he knows that they're caring just because they're coming out of this club. Yeah. And the girl's trying to get get away without getting brought in, so she's coming on to him. Yes. And then he's like, "No, you have to watch me fuck your girlfriend." Yes, that's and a then great he starts scene. running away because he's so upset, and he like shoots at him while he's coming. <laughs> get back here and watch me fuck your girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really horrible. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of scene that would normally make me cringe, but 
just Nick Cage being like that. That's the great thing is that Werner's probably like Nick. Just I'm not gonna hold you back. <laughs> you can be as Nick Cage as you want to. Yeah. And you know, sadly, I think that was Nick Cage's last like good role before he just got relegated to being Ghost Rider or yeah, whatever kind of shitty B movie, so he could pay his tax bill for <laughs> Nick Cage. He did give a million dollars of his own money, which is actually related to. Uh, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. Love that title. Um, for the her, uh, Hurricane Crew. Oh, really? Katrina. Because so, it was a write-off? I don't know. No, it was like, it was, I don't know, maybe, but it was instant. Like, it was before no, anyone that's, else. That's there. awesome. I don't mean yeah. to downplay that. That's funny. A million dollars. It's a lot. But, um, it's a lot of money when you owe the IRS as much as he does. <laughs> yes. Poor Nick. <laughs> All right. So, we've been watching a lot. Yeah. Especially Austin. Yeah. All right. So this week, um, for our top 10, I was actually planning to do a, a Father's Day show, but that got a little delayed. So I'm going to go ahead and go with the list, and uh, we're going to pretend like it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, John. Awesome. I have children. I have planted my seed. Yes. Happy Father's Day to you also for well, planting your seed. Thank you. And happy Father's Day to your sock, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one, <laughs> That was, that was a sad, lonely reminder of what's waiting uh, So what I want to do is give my top five uh, movies to avoid watching with your families to otherwise feel completely emasculated as you cry uncontrollably and sob without end. You're supposed to feel emasculated when you do that? <laughs> oh. <laughs> These are not joyous that, cries. Really. So, movies that you don't want to watch with your family? Yeah, you don't want to watch with anybody. Oh, okay. Friends, family, relatives, I don't care. Just Pretty don't watch these movies. Watch the them movies alone. Cry in a corner. Just avoid human contact at all costs. Um, number five on my list is going to be Intacto. And the reason why I put this on the list is at the end of the movie, you don't... I'm going to go ahead and spoil the movie. So sorry if you I've haven't seen Intacto. I've never heard of it. What are we talking about? Or no, about? not Intacto. What is the one? Inception. Inception with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio? Yes, Inception, oh, Inception I... with Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay, okay. Now, we all saw this in the movie theater together. This was way back in the day before We Netflix did. That's, we should, why I don't we do that more that. often? Then we can actually all have... Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, we saw this, this movie together, and um, I, we all share the feelings that we should stay through the credits to see if there's anything after the movie. And I was glad we all shared that, because... After you find out that you don't know if he actually sees his children's face, I was crying uncontrollably next to John, and I was hoping that no one would notice. I mean, that, that sounds like my prestige moment where I was like, I'm not moving. I wasn't <laughs> crying, but yeah. like, I was like, I'd... fight him back, fight him back. Yeah, I had to hold you. Yep, I was cuddling in John's arms. <laughs> um, number three is Star Trek. This is the reboot Star Trek. The uh, first 15 minutes of the film. I was going to say, it's got to be one Kirk. Dad dies. Yep, Kirk's dad dies, mm. never gets to meet his son, knowing in the canon that he was there when he graduated Starfleet. Heartbreaking. It made me cry. I actually still skipped the first 15 minutes. It's a really well-acted scene, considering how amped up Abrams makes it, like, because it's not subtle. But I'm saying, It's like, very epic, yeah, very like, heart-wrenching. It's pretty emotional. He's good at that. Like, uh, Super 8's actually emotional. Hmm. Have you guys seen that? I have yeah. not. I thought I thought the underlying sadness of the boy's life and everything was. Anyways, go on. Okay, so uh, moving on, sticking with the skipping the first fifteen minutes of the film. That was an okay like. 
I don't mind. I'm just going to push out through. Uh, sticking with skipping the first 15 minutes of a film is up. Never watch this movie with oh your children. Oh my god, I watched that movie with my children, and they were just like, Daddy's not strong like they thought he was. <laughs> Daddy, oh, you have man. a heart? Well, if they would have saw it in the theater, they wouldn't have thought anything of it. Like I've never yeah. been in a theater where everybody was crying. Like That movie... Yeah, it's perfect. That first... Yeah, fifteen minutes or whatever it is. It's, silent it's, it is yeah. the, and it's it's just how they build the relationship up, and mm-hmm. then she's stripped away from him, and mm-hmm. he's left alone, mm-hmm. and he's so bitter about it. Yeah, and that really defines his character. But it's incredibly hard to watch. Yes. Yeah, but, I mean, it's I mean even for like a, it, it's almost a perk that it's animated because somehow you really get the essence of like the small moments yes in, in a way that life like or regular films are it's hard to convey that sense of yeah and then and then transits. at the end of the film when she he's flipping through the book and he sees that he left says she left him the move on with your life message mm-hmm. it just starts up again right yeah <laughs> so it, it's, it's a weird movie in that it's actually it very ends. funny but incredibly heartbreaking oh great movie Jesus. Uh, my number two sad movies not to watch with other people is Schindler's List. Well, I, I think that's a more appropriate comment <laughs> about the film than don't get caught jerking off. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> to each his own, I say. <laughs> and I think John's uh, commentary on the film last week does it justice. I don't think I need to reiterate why this film is so sad. Yeah. Well, and why can't both of those be true? Because... Don't watch it with someone else, and don't get caught jerking off. You don't want to jerk off yeah, next could, to somebody. And that could satisfy both requirements. If you're not watching anybody, you can jerk off all you want. Oh, that's true. You can... Touche. Man, I don't know. I, I actually don't have a comment. Keep going. Okay. So what could be worse than... Uh, what could be sadder or worse than the Massacre of Jews? The Death of a Bird. Polly, my number one pick for... <laughs> don't watch this movie with anybody. <laughs> The fact that he... Okay, this is a parrot movie, right? Yeah, it's a movie about a parrot who gets separated from his owner, locked in a cellar, <laughs> forced through experiments, escapes. <laughs> that was the worst thing you've ever said. <laughs> that movie sounds terrible already. Forced through experiments? What kind of he, talking bird movie is Then this? he finds a relationship with a lovely old lady who soon passes away and he's left alone again, fighting his way back home. Does he ever find his way back home? I don't. I don't think I've ever made it through the movie. No, I'm just, just fucking crying through the whole this thing. Polly, right? Yeah. Don't ever watch my, that um, movie. My daughter's four years old, and my mother-in-law played the movie for her, and she said she couldn't get through it because at some point, I don't. I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know at what point. But at some point, my four-year-old daughter just started sobbing uncontrollably, <laughs> and they're like, "Why are you so sad?" And she said it was because of the movie, and they they turned off the movie. And then she just kept crying for like a half hour. So, I, it probably should yeah. have continued. I'm sure it had a happier ending on that. I, it, it, uh, Mikey said it didn't. I, so. It does have a happy ending, but it's you're just still crying. Because <laughs> I remember like I saw this movie with my dad, and he was crying hysterically when he <laughs> saw this movie. <laughs> Embarrassingly hysterically. Like right? Homer Simpson yeah. crying. <laughs> and I, I was so young at the time. I'm like, but it's a bird, Dad. And like, I, then we got the, like, the, the VHS like, you know, two years later. And I watched it without him, and I was bawling hysterically with this movie. And I never watched it again until like, until like ten years later. 
And then I was bawling hysterically. That movie's old enough to be on VHS? Yeah. Polly? Well, you gotta understand, like, VHS was around, what, in, up until, like, yeah. the I mid-2000s. At, I worked at Blockbuster 98, 99, and 2000. Yeah, and, and DVD just came in. Like, it was okay. one of those things that we were sharing space. Well, for. yeah, that's true. I mean, I I do remember renting VHS after I got married in 2000, so... Yeah, like, uh, if you watch uh, Atlantis, mm-hmm. the Disney Atlantis, right. it has the bumper at the beginning for on VHS and DVDs. Hmm. So that's even like 2002, I think. Yeah. 2001, 2002. 2001 so th- there's my top five movies that are heart-wrenching and don't watch with anybody else. It, it, there's something about animals that... Uh, yeah, it is, it is especially with, like, with an old person who they don't have anything left and they've got an animal. And it's like they project all their love into that thing. And then the animal then... Like I was thinking about this today. is like dogs are kind of... Because they're like children. They're like enthusiastic children. <laughs> like, dogs are way worse than cats when yeah. they die. It's because you feel like you're failing a child or yes. something like that. In fact, uh, Louis C.K. just had a new comedy special this year where he made a joke about that. He saw this old woman walking. She's really old. She's, like, just going to die tomorrow. And then she had this really old, decrepit dog with a limp, and he was blind. And he said, the only thing I could think was... I hope she dies first. <laughs> because the dog will be fine as long as somebody feeds a dog, he'll be happy. But but if that dog dies first, that woman's heart is gonna be broken. <laughs> it was great. I love Louis C. K. But yeah, yeah. that's totally... I, but it's, dogs are sensitive though too. Like it's it's, it's yeah. like certain things um Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they are. So it's just interesting. Like, yeah, the animals. That's the tricky one. I'm, I'm giving you support on this one, Mikey. I haven't seen the parrot movie. I mean, it sounds. You're, you're like supporting your number Mikey. one movie is a parrot. <laughs> you're supporting Mikey that the death of the bird is worse than the death of six billion Jews. No, John, I hate you. I hate you so much. So we're gonna. I go forgot that. Up. No, no, we're not cutting this off. We're not cutting it. Jerk store right now. We gotta take a break and then we'll come back for jerk store calling. <laughs> Alright, we'll be back. Jerk start calling to follow. <laughs> and we're back from our little break here. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and do jerk start calling, and then we're going to follow it up with our shitty movie assignment, and then end with our feature presentation. So, uh, Austin, it's time for your uh, Austin's Corner. Alright. Um, yeah, I was just going to ask, do either of you ever feel the need to... Uh... Carry the torch for jerk store calling. <laughs> I live my life with no regrets. Okay. Um, so I, I guess really I don't... In case this needs to be pointed out, I I, I got instantly drunk <laughs> last episode. And I thought I was being hilarious by mentioning as many things as possible. So I, I hope that came through and you didn't really take it seriously that I really needed to get all that off my chest. <laughs> Uh, the other thing is, um, I had forgotten that my kid mentioned Schindler's List a second ago. So, clearly it's, uh, like, uh, on paper, the Holocaust is worse than the parrot or an old lady dying. Um, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this. What if it's a Jewish parrot? I don't know if I mentioned this, but I think I have, uh, the World War II is something that, it's like, my favorite... Favorite in quotes. I'm, I'm just really fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by the sense of dread that came out of it. I have endless compassion for, you know, the, obviously the most horrific 
moment of contemporary history, and it's just something that, for whatever reason, Mikey likes to <laughs> label me an anti-Semitic. I've, I've never <laughs> On the internet, forever. I've never said you were an anti-Semitic. I just... Well, if you're, if you're reading you're... in between the lines that... <laughs> I'm, I'm calling it the, the Jew thing, I think is what you refer to it as. No, I just poke fun at your sensitivity towards that particular topic. Okay. It is it is funny that he is... What makes it funny is he's the least anti-Semitic person in the world. John being the most. And then, no, then you make him feel so insecure that he has to, like, justify it. Anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just... Some like somebody's gonna label you as that. You're like, yeah. wait, what? No. <laughs> Especially when I, I've I've read a lot of shit and it's just horrific and you're an anti anti semite. I guess that would make you a semite. A pro semite. <laughs> there you go. Uh yeah. A- any race on this earth that has had more than its fair share of social Darwinism, I am a staunch supporter, whether that's Africa or <laughs> Jews. Anyways, um Native Americans. Yeah, oh god, yeah. <laughs> uh and Chicote, I think is his name on Voyager. It's it's he's a Native American character. Mm-hmm. I watched it was the worst episode. Apparently aliens came to a Native American tribe and kinda of did a two thousand one thing where they zapped them with intellect and then they evolved. And I was like, I'm pretty sure this is well out of the realm of Star Trek <laughs> to enforce <laughs> myths. As Star Trek is always about Exposing myths and having a more of a science-based based thought process. I was just like, man, that is the nadir of Star Trek right here. Oh, you know what? That reminds me. I did watch um, Brave New World again <laughs> just uh, over the past week. And it was the first time I saw it in high def. <clears throat> and uh, it was, man, Terrence Malick makes beautiful movies. Oh, um... Wait, wait, which or one? no, the the New World, not Brave New oh, yeah, World. Oh yeah, I'm the, sorry. the New World. That's the what I world. thought. I had images of Colin Farrell. Like, yeah, yeah, no, I was. Yeah. I'm talking about the Malick movie, but good because yeah, last time you saw that, I don't think you were too hot. I, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't really enjoy it last time, um, but yeah, this this time, I think because I already knew the story, I wasn't so focused on the story. Mm-hmm. I was more focused just on like just watching. I knew I was like, okay, this is Malick. I'm going to enjoy the scenery. Right. And good lord, the scenery is like I yeah. don't know if anybody does it better. It's ridiculous. It's yeah. so beautiful. Um, and actually, I would add that movie to Mikey's list of things to watch alone. The, the last segment of that movie makes me ball. Like it's a, it's a one-two punch. Um, I don't know. Should I say what I'm talking about? Or yeah, you may. As, I mean, it's history. If yeah, if you're gonna give a spoiler, right? Word, it's well, only to the people you, that didn't pay attention. If you think Disney's Pocahontas <laughs> is reality, then maybe. <laughs> but but there there is the segment that I don't think is history. It is about um, how you know John Smith and her split, mm-hmm. and then there's the uh, Christian Bale character mm-hmm. who's patient with her. He he loves her. She doesn't love him, mm-hmm. and it's something that he just kind of accepts that her heart belongs to him. So at the end, there's this man. I'm, am I actually getting emotional? Even talking about where she just reaches out her hand and grabs him as if he he chooses her him yeah. when he, she has the choice, and it's yep. just and then instantly she's dying. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and it's just a maelstrom of emotion, and it's just. And the really sad part is that she probably died because he brought her to England. Because right. she was exposed to germs and stuff that mm-hmm. she'd never been exposed to. I believe that is true. Yeah. Like that, that's, yeah, that just makes it so much worse. Right, yeah. So 
watching that movie repeated times, knowing that that emotional wallop is <laughs> waiting, it just makes the entire thing more pensive. And, and the way you find out she dies is that he writes a letter to her four-year-old son right. telling him that she died. So it's just a voiceover narration. Yes. Yeah. That's, like, wow. That's hard. Terrible. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and... Uh, oh, never mind. Who's talking? <laughs> Jerk start over. Jerk start, yeah. All right, so um, I guess we'll go ahead and do a shitty movie. Let's do it. Let's I'm, do a shitty movie, Mikey. I am so happy that John and Austin decided to assign Birdemic to me. When did Bird, I do that? Birdemic Shock and Terror. Birdemic Shock and Terror. The, the movie that was so bad that they decided to do a sequel. <laughs> like Jack Frost. The uh, the horror movie about this killer snowman. Oh, yeah, okay. I think Michael Keaton played the snowman. No, no, that's that's that is a horror movie in, in a sense, but that's 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 the uh, the funny movie. That's the funny movie. <laughs> did I get this mixed up? They have the same name. To your credit. Oh, did they? But, yeah. Oh, okay. There's like a... I thought Michael Keaton is a snowman that kills people. No, that's just some kid's dad dies, Michael Keaton dies, and then for some reason he's reincarnated as the kid's snowman. It and makes... he doesn't kill people. No. Okay. They... Not even a few people? No, no. Animals? I think they do like some kind of snowboarding competition together. Okay. It's really ridiculous. <laughs> the snowman that snowboards. They kind of. really do a snowboarding competition? I think so. I... Oh, or maybe he's on the sled at something and he keeps giving his one-liners. And... Anyways, uh, no, it was a slock horror movie about Killer Snowman. And then the second one is like, has some, the second one is really like they amp up the humor. They know they're being campy. So. All right. So Birdemic <laughs> is, is an utterly horrible movie. Not, not only in story, production value, acting, music, casting, editing, editing. <laughs> Everything about this movie is just the, our podcast has higher quality than this fucking movie. Okay? Anytime you like you think, oh, they did a really crappy hard cut there. No, no. This movie, every every time they pan the camera, it's a crappy hard cut somewhere. Mm. So let, let's start it first. First of all, this movie was uh written and directed by uh James Wynn. Um and it's it cast absolutely no one important. And the opening sequence of this movie, I'm just going to get right into it. The opening sequence of this movie is like five minutes of terrible music. That they, it, What it seems like is they, they wrote eight staffs of the music. But they're like, shit, we need to make this like 16 staffs and then replay it over and over again. So they cut it. They're like, and like over and over. And it was absolutely terrible. And they're like, like they're sitting in a car driving around a windy road and the car, the, the camera's tilted like, three degrees to the left and you can see the dashboard and out of focus and it was just utterly ridiculous and i was like okay maybe it was just the fact that they didn't have a lot of money and they were just trying to fill time put credits in but then you meet the main character and his name is rod rod munch <laughs> is it really <laughs> no not at all i just thought it was funny um but his name is rod and um the first thing he does is gets out of his Mustang and walk, walks very robotically across the street in a straight line that turns and makes try to makes it look natural and it's just utterly terrible. And he goes to a diner. Now mind you this is a movie about birds killing people because it's a birdemic. And uh he goes to this 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 uh diner 
And he, like, creeps on this girl that just stands up and walks out of the diner. He's like, holy shit, she's hot. To this movie's credit, I have to say that that chick was hot. Whitney Moore? Yes. Which I'm very glad. And spoiler alert. I'm very glad she did not go topless in this movie because she is hot enough to have a better role to go topless in than this piece of crap. <laughs> you would rather not see her boobs I, right now. Yeah, don't she show me her boobs. She to do her Anne Hathaway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't do it now. Wait, you're worth it. You're, you can get paid more money than, than, than oh, I'll give you 20 bucks if you star in my movie. No, Wait. no, 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 no. <laughs> Wait until you have a gay cowboy movie role. <laughs> do, do something better than this. So, he, like, creeps on her and, like, follows her out of the diner and stalks her down the street. And it's, like, very... It's, like... It ends up being that he went to high school with her, but it sure the hell doesn't seem like that in the way they shot it. It seems like he was like, eh, yeah, I'm going to go, like, choke her out or something. <laughs> it was probably secret film. This is the actor staring at the other <laughs> Now, this, this one also violates the, the 180 rule, like, a lot. Like, there's... You're supposed to film the character from one side, like, if he's walking down from one side of the screen to the next... And then if you put the camera on the other side of him, it looks like he's walking the opposite direction. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's very confusing. It this is movie. so terrible, the fact that there was only one scene that actually made sense as far as when they had more than two people in it. But let me, I'm not there yet. Okay. So before he leaves the diner, I'm going to go back a little bit. Before, as he's stalking her out of the diner, you can actually see him standing there waiting for his action cue. And then you see him run out of the diner. It's terrible mm. and every time that they, they change the camera angle the audio changes <laughs> yes <laughs> wow yeah. so you know depending if there's wind if there's a breeze if there's a car driving by it doesn't seem like they it seemed like they filmed the the audio off of the camera and they didn't have a boom guy yeah utterly disgusting how are the special effects <sighs> yeah I didn't even get that far. <laughs> this is a movie about birds killing people they had to use some mm -hmm. 40, 43 minutes before we saw birds actively trying to kill people. Okay. And the movie's only an hour and a half long. <laughs> so, okay. That, that's kind of... Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds is similar in that. Yeah, so they must that, be similar, these yeah, two movies. There's a, there's a long burn before you get to it, but it's building tension. It's so watch just... either one. <laughs> Whichever one you can get your hands on. All right. Okay, so, so like we're watching this guy, and he hits on this girl, and he gets her number... And then he, like, follows her again and starts talking to her again for no apparent reason, right? And then uh, they cut away, and they show him in an office, and he's like, hey, like, convincing... He, he's a salesperson in an office trying to sell some sort of stupid shit. I don't know. Uh, some sort of software company. And he tells the guy that, like, yeah, I can get you this deal for, like, whatever it is I told you. And, like, I'll give you 50% off if you sign today. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah, yeah. Woo, I did it. Right? And then, like, his friend comes in, hey! And then, like, cuts away. What have you been doing? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I just got the sale of my life. I just sold a million dollars at 50% off. Mine left nut. This is... And, like... So then so then they pan to them playing basketball or some shit. I don't even know. I'm not... I'm, like, so over the movie at this point. And they're, they're playing basketball and they, they start having this commentary. And this is, this is something that I start picking up at this point. That it's supposed to be winter and they're playing basketball in shorts and cutoffs. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, this winter's been so hot. Yeah. But, you know, you got that chick's number. So like, if you go on a date with her, you better nail her. I'm like, 
Really? <laughs> That's where we're That's going with this? A logical segue. <laughs> great dialogue. So it, it's like really okay, great. So then um I, something happens and they they um they uh they start he he goes on a date with her. He eventually calls her back because he gets, you know Oh no no no, this is what it is. The company he's working for, the only reason why he's working for them is he's invested a bunch of stock. And he's like, yeah, someday my stock, well, this company is going to get bought out. My stock options are going to make me a million dollars. And the next scene, hey, everybody, our company just got bought out. We're paying all dividends to all our stock <laughs> options. And so he becomes like this instant success. And then he calls her back. He's like, I just like sold all my shit. I'm a millionaire. And she's like, hey, well, I just got a, a, a modeling contract with Victoria's Secret. Yay, let's go on a date. And we still haven't gotten to birds. No birds. No birds. They go on a date. They hit it off. They have dinner and cocktail. They don't do anything. Friend makes fun of him for not doing anything with her. But when he calls, they have this scene where it's like this Filipino girl on top of the friend. The friend's like really hairy. It's really disgusting. It's like she's humping a carpet. <laughs> And it's like this Asian girl. And I remember seeing in the car- in the credits, there was this girl whose name was Mona Lisa Moan. <laughs> I was like, I bet that's her. And at the end of credits, it turns out it was her. Um, so is she a porn star? <laughs> that's what I thought. But I don't know. I didn't, if I didn't look that far. The, the carpet. carpet. <laughs> well, also the name might be. <laughs> Mona really? Lisa Moan. Um, what would be really funny is if this movie just continued as you're talking about about these two people's relationship. And then at the end, there's like, bird! And then he pushes her <laughs> on the bird. <laughs> then she dies. And <laughs> oh, speaking of uh, pushing her in front of, did you watch um, that movie that I talked about last week? What was it? What was the movie I talked about? The Loneliest Planet. Oh, no, I, I saw it and I thought that I might do better because... I've seen a lot of movies like that. Oh, okay. Where you just absorb it. Like, uh, remember when I talked about the exploding girl and I was like, sometimes minimalism works. Yes. As long as you're giving a yes. intellectual or a subtextual. Man. <clears throat> <laughs> well, the reason that that made me think about it is because the loneliest, the only thing that happens in the loneliest planet is that he pushes his girlfriend in front of a guy that's putting a gun at him. Oh, wow. He hides behind his girlfriend. So, yeah. Yeah, that'd be a lonely planet for a girl afterwards. <laughs> and well, and then the guy who's pointing the gun just puts it away and says, "I'm just kidding." Right. But now the girl knows, yeah. "Oh crap, you're a coward." Right. So, yeah. All right. It's pretty interesting. That's what I meant, actually. Like <laughs> just feeling like one minute. Yeah, I don't really need to go on. There. Yeah, but I mean, don't watch the movie because that's. It, I mean, the, the does that happen of, instantly or? No, no. It's like you're an hour and twenty minutes into it before that happens. And uh, and it's never addressed. They never talk about it, and it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Yeah, it, Netflix thinks I'll give it a three. Yeah, it sounds pretty. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. You'd give it a two just for the cinematography alone. If without that, you would give it a one. Sorry, Mikey. So it's Birdemic. okay. Okay, going back to Birdemic. So they go on a date. Um, still no birds. Uh, he has a solar power salesman come in and have solar power panels installed on his his townhome. 
That was just happening that day anyways. They just filmed it. Yeah, they were just like, yeah, you know, and what's funny is like he's like this cool salesman because he talked the guy down by a thousand dollars. He only paid nineteen thousand dollars for his oh solar God. panels. Wait, I get it. Now the scary part is the birds come and shit all over the solar panels and then he doesn't have electricity. I'll get to the bird shitting part. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> Remind me about the bird shitting. Okay. So still no birds. He he's now getting solar panels installed in his house, right? So then he drives around and he he he's now lobbying to get investors so he can start his own startup company, which is like a solar power type company. Hmm. Then he goes out on a few more dates with her. He talks about how he has a uh, how he has an electric Mustang and all this other crazy shit. And like I'm starting to get this feeling that like. Why is all this like green commentary being played out in this movie? Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. Are they going somewhere with this? So, um, at that point, he finally makes out with the chick and you know does her. Finally, after like the fifth date or something. Yeah, this I is mean, a, it was a hot summer or winter. I mean, yeah, it's a hot winter. And, oh, it's funny is they even went on another date before like all the bird shit happened. Not bird shit, yeah, but all the bird yeah. stuff. But the bird shit did happen. Um, and they went to like this this October pumpkin festival, and they're in there, and they're like, she's in like this like cut off type fancy outfit that's like meant for like a moderately warm type mm-hmm. day, and he's like in the same type of thing. And everyone else they filmed at the festival is fucking wearing like big jackets and fucking winter coats. <laughs> <laughs> Those actors were miserable. I think they just had filmed them walking through a festival, and everyone else is freezing cold, and they're like, <laughs> "I'm warm." <laughs> but anyway, they 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 end up having sex, and I was really worried that she was going to go topless, and she didn't, which I was very happy about. Sounds sounds like maybe you have like a little purity crush on her. Like, does this girl like look very wholesome or something like that? She's she is very attractive. Like as far as act, she's very attractive. Was she a good actress? Did she do a good job? She did better than he did. Okay. The extras still did better. But that doesn't... I mean, you just told me he did better than, like, a dead fish. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no. Let me say this. Could you see her ever getting cast in another movie? I could see her cast in a TV movie. Okay. In which she may go topless. Like a Skinamax. Like a Skinamax movie. She would... <laughs> I would actually say she's better than a Skinamax movie. Okay. She's, a, she's like Sex in the City type. Oh, well, that's pretty good. Or, like, Real Housewives type Those are professional quality. actors. Yeah. Yeah, that's... So, I mean, um, I'm not fond of that, but that's... that's yeah. so, so they have... accomplishment. Right. Yeah. So they have sex, and they uh, they wake up the next morning. Actually, <laughs> it shows the town all peaceful after they have sex, right? Yeah. And it's just panning around this town. Pan, pan, shot, different shot. And then the birds come. Now, this is, like, 40, 40 45 minutes into okay. the movie. Good. And they're just, just those, those terrible CG birds overlaid on still shots of the town. And it's like, it's like watching, they have the sound effects of a German P-51 as the birds dive bomb different places and end in explosions. <laughs> what? They explode? It's like, <laughs> So wait, the Birdemic is dive-bombing kamikaze exploding birds? Dive-bombing kamikaze eagles. <laughs> I thought these birds would, like, come down and bite you or something or peck you. They do. They freaking blow up. They bl- Well, they blow They, like, it gets worse than that. The diatribe about the whole green thing gets worse. So um, they, leave the, they leave the hotel that they're in because they, you know, they couldn't do it at his 
newly renovated townhome with solar panels, or her place, because probably didn't have solar power, but they're at a hotel. I can't have sex in this building. Yeah. This is on the grid. <laughs> <laughs> Those real, real quality of there. Um, <laughs> so they wake up to the sound of hawks like, ah, ah, which that they like that stupid sound effect gets played over and over and over anytime this eagle is on the screen. And it's like the same static, like three eagles facing them on the screen as they're barricading themselves in the room. And eventually the eagles just leave and they run out of the apartment and they're trying to find other people because he lost his keys in the apart in the, uh, in the hotel room. So they have to go find someone else. So they meet up with this other couple and they decide we're going to make a break for the cars and we're going to, we're going to drive out of here. So they get in the car and they drive away. And as soon as they get to the car, the guy hands him an AK. I'm like, what? <laughs> he was prepared. He, he like just carries AKs in his Aerostar. <laughs> He's one of those. To be fair, I think most operating Aerostars are being driven by liber- libertarians. He was one of those birdemic preppers. Yeah. <laughs> so they just start shooting birds out of the sky, which actually was the most entertaining part of the movie because every other shot they showed either like six or seven birds like flying towards the screen or like a couple static birds across the screen. Unless they shot a bird, which was one bird at the top screen, and lands on the ground. So, good news, they kill animals in this movie. Fake CG animals. Oh, it's all CG. So they don't explode when they get shot? They don't explode when they get shot or when they attack the main characters. But if they dive bomb into a building, they explode like a bomb. Yes. And destroy the building. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's insane. (laughs) So they they drive around. How much Alka-Seltzer did they feed these birds? (laughs) But that squawking is just terrible. Like It's just like this repeated... Ah, the whole time birds are on the screen. It's <laughs> utterly terrible. So, but as they're running to the car before they get the AKs, they're fighting off the birds with coat hangers. <laughs> like wire? Like or... wire hotel coat hangers that don't have the tops, the bendy tops. Because otherwise it wouldn't have gotten them out if they were the other kind. Exactly. This is some <laughs> kind of abortion commentary. I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading between the lines here. Yeah. I follow you. I, I think Rod was an homage to uh, the birds because Rod Taylor was the main actor. Oh, nice. Funny thing, though, the guy who they met up with, his name was Ramsey, like the rubber. <laughs> I have no response to that. <laughs> so they end up driving away. And they stop on the side of the road and, like, rescue a girl that's hiding under a car because her mom was killed by the birds. And they rescue another kid in the car. So now it's, like, two couples and two children. Mm-hmm. And the whole time they're running back from the two cars that the kids were hiding in, they're shooting birds. But the, it's on the side of a road, and there's cars still driving by, like, nothing's <laughs> going on. So they're sitting there with AKs and handguns <laughs> shooting things. And I gotta imagine, like, the people driving by are like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> They're calling the police. Yeah. I <laughs> doubt they got a permit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they, like, they end up driving up, and then, um, uh, what's the green commentary? Well, <laughs> they end up driving away, and they, they get supplies, they go off. Um, a funny part happens where they, like, one of them has to go, the girls have to go to the bathroom. So the extra girl they picked up is like, they're carrying toilet paper out to a field. And she's like, okay, well, I just got to go right now. And then a bird like, like swoops across the screen and just 
kills her. <laughs> so she, the other girl runs back to the car. It's just such a stupid, like, CG bird that's like, whoop, dead. And then, uh, the other guy eventually dies. And then they meet, they, they're driving on forever and ever, and they, they get gas. And then they, they they eventually meet up with, uh, they're like, oh, look, a stream. There's fresh water there, since we don't have water, because everyone's pillaging everything, mm-hmm. except no one else is it. Infected. Yeah, exactly, like, kind of like that. And uh, <laughs> they're like, they, this guy's watching them get water in their bottles, and they're like, hey, you, what are you doing here? And he's like, what do you mean? I live here. What do you mean? I live here in the trees. And, like, one of the little kids is like, are you, like, a tree-hugging hippie? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and he's like... What? You, well, I guess you could call me that. And then he goes on this 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 dialogue about how it's safe in the forest because they're away from cars, and it's the burning of fossil fuels that is making the birds go crazy because mm. they're they're we're ruining their environment, and that's why they're turning crazy. Yeah, and that's why they explode. <laughs> that's yeah. why they explode. I was really oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I was really bracing myself for um some anti uh green message no it's it's very it's like this movie is totally pro it's a very idiotic pro green message that hurts me way more (laughs) (laughs) like the 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 reason why they're doing it is because we are hurting their environment and we because the burning through fossil fuels because we're all this other garbage we're increasing global warming so we want we're taking away their environment all that's true it just doesn't Make birds blow up, <laughs> and then like even, even the and and they even tied in the whole part about the summer or the winter being hot because oh, like they have like a two minute still shot of a of a red oak tree, some sort of tree that has died because some bugs that normally die from the winter didn't die and they've eaten the tree, so it's like two minutes shot of a tree doing nothing. That kind of makes sense now because like I read something about this movie that said James Wen was really passionate and he was like, I have to get this movie made whether I have the money or not. So that kind of explains it. He wasn't just doing it to make himself a famous filmmaker. He was doing it because he believed however naively that this would impact people and influence them to change their ways. Right. I mean, it's like the whole thing about the birds is that we treat birds Really terribly. Like, <laughs> uh, Hitchcock had, he used to do like these little trailers where he would, you know, address cause he was a celebrity in his own right. And like he'd be wearing like these bird hats and everything like that and eating like a bird dinner and talking about our fine feathered friends and everything like that and making it very clear that we treat birds like <laughs> the scum of the earth. And like this is like that they evolve a little bit and they understand why, why are we living in peace with these yeah. <laughs> homicidal maniacs that are. <laughs> so. My point is, that didn't fix our behavior toward birds. <laughs> so, <laughs> this poor... No, I mean, I, I have nothing but contempt toward this guy. His, his good intentions obviously uh, hurt the cause if he's being this idiotic about it. <laughs> so, so the hippie's explanation was... If you're near, the birds only attack. And you why with, is he a hippie then? If he's pro, like why, why is he labeling him a tree <laughs> hippie? Like that? he's trying to say that the hippies are the only ones that know what's okay. going on. Okay, if this guy's a hippie, that makes sense. Like yeah. if this guy's like a long-haired, greasy. Yeah. Because there, there's there's multiple you know components to the green movement. He he's not like he, this is not your typical like stoner type hippie. This is your like. I don't heat foods past 110 degrees type organic hippie. I mean, organic's good. 
He's like your Trader Joe hippie. Yeah, your Trader Joe hippie. Like long haired Trader Joe. I can live off the land. Yeah, Chipotle's great. It's amazing they're owned by McDonald's. Yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) here, yeah, I was so laid back. (laughs) I totally. That's that's exactly what I was thinking when you said. Oh, okay. Well, then we're we're of one mind. (laughs) Continue, Mikey. (laughs) So they point out the fact if you stay away from cars and stay away from gas stations, birds won't attack you. <laughs> so they're smart enough to know They've evolved that, that the, the fossil point. fuels are the problem. Yes. So they're going to keep you away from fossil fuels. Buy a Tesla. <laughs> yeah, except in New York. You can't buy a Tesla in New York. Really? Yeah, they don't like their sales model. They don't like the fact that that Tesla ha- owns their own dealerships. They what want the hell? That's... They want it. They're passing legislation so that I you have if to. Big businesses in their pocket. Jeez. Yeah. yeah, but New York is a pretty liberal city. Yeah, but you got to the president still, or a president. He's the president, <laughs> He's the president of New York. You know, yeah. I, I'm surprisingly sober, but yet there's no, moments where I'm like, <laughs> well, no, because because you have to send yeah, really the, the car dealerships have to resell <laughs> the car to a to a franchisee who then resells the car to you where Tesla's like, well, we have our own dealership. We're going to yeah. sell at this price done. Be, you know, yeah. That's it. And they're passing legislation to kick him out of New York. That's yeah. stupid. That's well, you know what? If New Yorkers want them, they'll just go to New Jersey and buy it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, but anyway, so the movie carries on for a little bit. They, they, they get mugged for gas and a bird cuts the guy's throat and then they leave the gas there then they get then they get on this like wholesome trip where they're like okay well let's go to the beach and we'll fish for food we'll eat seaweed and then the eagles come back but then white doves a piece come and drive the eagles away and save them because they've learned to learn to live off the land and not be dependent on fossil fuel so the good birds will protect you from the bad birds but i can like speaking on iconography levels Okay, we're just going to accept that that was a sentence. Um, <laughs> and move on. Uh, eagles and doves are both, in American uh, culture at least, birds apiece. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but you could argue if the eagle is the, you know, the national bird, so it's the government keeping us Yeah, the, the eagle is more the, um, I'm going to kick your ass if you mess with America bird. Right. And whereas the dove is like, let's let's just be friends. Let's just be friends. <laughs> Here's a little leaf. With Neil Diamond in the background coming to America. That's so, what the eagle does. Bird shit. You didn't talk about bird shit. Oh my shit. gosh. Like, okay. What, you asked me to remind you. Yeah, because uh, the girlfriend died. Remember I told you she was decapitated mm-hmm. by birds because mm-hmm. she was peeing? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was well, the girlfriend? I thought that was a little girl. Or, no, that wasn't one of the little girls. It was one of the other couple they ran into. No, not the hot one. Ramsey and his girlfriend. Not, not okay. the chase one that you... No, no. <laughs> not the one for. I hope that she does topless, but not in this movie. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> she can even do porn. That's fine. Just don't do it in this shit-ass Something movie. Something tasteful. <laughs> you know what? Like, I, I have a copy of that stupid Pirates porn movie. And no, like that has way higher production value than this movie. Well, yeah. I mean, porn is a million-dollar industry, I'm yeah, sure. This, this one was... It does. I... I'm, I mean, am I right? Is, does porn standard higher than like? Yeah, I, I don't know. Girl getting screwed in the limo. And that's, <laughs> that's. I don't know. Once how again, much, that movie's I don't my know if it's a million dollar industry anymore because well, not in L.A. Everybody gets it for free online now, right? Plus the condoms, probably. Yeah. I think that was hilarious. Yeah, I have no idea. But anyway, so so like <laughs> the uh, the girl gets decapitated while taking a piss. Yeah, which is, hey, like John said, really. 
Erotic. <laughs> this is an erotic bakery. <laughs> this is an erotic birdemic. That's what he said when he's like, why is there a woman urinating on my cake? And he goes, well, this is an erotic bakery. Like, of course. <laughs> you really need to look that up. It's probably online somewhere. Look up Patrick Stewart, SNL, erotic bakery. Man, he's awesome. So they, they stop. Ramsey's still alive. They stop to rescue guys from, from this stupid UK pub. It's like this British pub. And they have a double-decker bus with three people trapped inside hiding from the birds. So he goes and shooting birds trying to get them out. And he, like, forces them out to run to the Astro Van or the Aerostar. <clears throat> and they get killed on their way out. But the way they get stopped from running to the car is the birds shit on them. <laughs> and then they start pecking their eyes out. So wait, they stop them from running to the car? Like, they're running, and then they're like, ew, somebody birds shit like, on me. It's okay, and they like, stop running. Well, no, because like, like, he stops and starts shooting the birds with his AK. And the other, like, the three extras are just standing there like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and then the birds shit on them. And then it's like an acid in their face. And then it shows three birds on screen just standing there, ah! <laughs> and then they have like cuts and shit and they fall to the ground dead. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, the only reason, the only way we should continue the shitty movie segment is if we like Just watch keep the movie. <laughs> no! <laughs> I was gonna say we should keep, watch the shitty movie together, all three of us. Yeah, this is canon. <laughs> I was really happy when we decided to <laughs> So, really, that that's the movie in a nutshell. And, and, to summarize this up, yeah. <laughs> James Wynn, never make another fucking movie again. I hope you didn't make another movie. Well, you probably well, he did. made the sequel, You made he? the sequel to this crap-ass piece of flick. Because we didn't learn. <laughs> yeah. Apparently you wanted higher standards to promote your green piece. But yeah, it's just a disaster from beginning to end. That's... Absolute disaster. Chipotle sounds really good, though. Am I right? Yeah, that sounds good. And that's the last shitty movie you'll ever hear. Yep, no more shitty movie. Austin doesn't want to do it anymore. Oh, yeah. Play it on me. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, as you're talking, I, I, I could feel your anger because I'm just remembering rubber. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly that so... That sounds so dirty. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, I'm still really angry about it. I mean... I don't know. Is that funny? <laughs> Does that make you chuckle, listener? <laughs> I was going to say, it's funny to me and Mikey, it but it's probably not funny to listener. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Sometimes. Just uh, depends. And, like, the music was done by BMI. I don't get it. Really? In yes. Pandemic? Yes. I was watching the credits because, frankly, I had nothing else to do after this piece of crap. I wanted to see if there was anything interesting. Mm-hmm. Mona Lisa Moan. Mona Lisa Moon. Moon or Moan? Moon. Oh, Mona? Moon. Moon is significantly Mona less yeah. funny. Well, also less of a porn name. Yeah. Mona Lisa Moon. Anyway, so, I guess we're going to move on to our feature presentation since oh, we're not going to do we have a feature another shitty movie unless Austin wants one because we can give you one. We have one on deck, ready to go. Mikey, what is our feature presentation? <laughs> oh! <laughs> we'll bring it back when we find a, a shitty movie, shitty enough for Austin. Yes. When we fi- when they finally make a sequel to Zoom, <laughs> or or if our listener emails us and say yes yes Nerdflix podcast crew we would like another shitty movie. Mm-hmm. If someone does that, we will definitely start this segment back up. But otherwise, definitely is such a definite word. That yeah. ship has sailed. So any of the listeners that have possibly gotten this far into the show, that means you, <laughs> listener. 
Yes, you listener, you special listener, nerdflixpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know. But otherwise, we're moving on to... the hell's the name of the movie? My movie? Adventureland. Adventureland. Who wants to take it away? Because I'm tired of talking. I'll take it. Um, In the... I'll t- <laughs> if you're willing to give it to me, I'll take it. Uh, this movie was kind of strange because it's it's bad, but it's also good. And I don't know if I'm being a little easy on it because there's so many things in it that can relate back to my youth. So there's a lot of parallel. I mean, I worked at an amusement park. Um, you know, I also wanted to be a writer and studied English and useless things like that. And, um, I lost my virginity at a late age and, uh, I am attracted to bald women. (laughs) So there's a lot of parallels for me, but so I don't know if I'm kind of being easy on this movie for that, but it's, First of all, they shouldn't have built it as a comedy. I didn't think it was very funny. There's even very, the jokes are few and far between. And so they're even, they're not even trying to make you laugh very often. When they do try to make you laugh, they fail about half of the time. There was a few good laughs in the movie um, that I appreciated, but also the, um, the other thing that I didn't like about it is there's a lot of cliches. This is one of those movies that, as soon as you find out the main character is a virgin, then you're like, oh, I know how this ends. <laughs> like, he's going to lose his virginity at the end with the girl that he really cares about in a sweet and tender moment. Um, so, you know, that was kind of cliched. So the plot line is, is very cliched. No spoiler for that. Oh, well, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Nobody's going to watch this movie anyway. No one's listening to our podcast anyway. Uh, well, come on, is that really a spoiler? I mean, as soon as you hear the character well, mentioned... we spoil the future anyways. Yeah. I, usually we give a spoiler alert, but uh, I, I was too drunk to remember that. <laughs> sorry. Um, but so the other um, bad thing about, you know, besides the, the plot is cliched, um, but... I don't think the characters were cliche. And that's the part that I liked about this movie is that the characters were actually um, like real uh, characters that had some depth and some different, you know, um, they, they were three dimensional characters as opposed to one dimensional. The, the guy that's sleeping with the, 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 uh, the guy that's married and he's cheating on his wife with some young 19 year old. He's not really the, evil kind of like jock bully type jackass that you would expect him to be from that you've seen in other movies. Um, you know, the, the people who cheat on others in this movie are not the, the stereotypical people, the jerks, the, the popular pretty girl is not the bitch who dumps water on the nice girl's dress, you know? So the characters aren't cliched, even though the plot is. So, the movies, you know, I liked that aspect of it, that the characters had depth, and I think the, the dialogue was well written. It it needed more work in the plot. There was no surprise. The plot was predictable, and it stayed the course. But for a predictable romantic comedy, it, it kind of worked. It was, it was, for what it was, it was well executed, um, despite Kristen Stewart's wooden acting. <laughs> what did you think of it? Um... 
Actually, I think this is the best feature presentation we've ever had. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> Holy shit. King's Speech was better. I was not expecting you to say that. No, King's Speech is not better. Okay, wait a minute. So let's just review. There was King's Speech. There was uh, Night of the Hunter. We have like 12 uh, of them. Yeah, Night... Okay. <laughs> I know Alexander's project he didn't like, but um, and the unforgive. What's it? Untouchables. Uh, yeah, Untouchables. He did like, but he said he was lukewarm on it. But he did like I just Night of hated the Hunter. Your reasons for <laughs> but he he yeah, liked Night, Night of the, the Hunter. Hunter. I, I did forget about Night of the Hunter. Okay, and Sword of Doom. Oh, S Word of Doom. I might like this better than Sword of Doom. And uh, what else was our features? We had to. Have... Oh, that one that I recommended that we. Had yeah, the last I know he. Did, on. I know he didn't like that one, so that makes sense. And maybe our features haven't been that good. What was that? Oh, features? oh, the, the the stupid car movie, the limo Holy movie. Motors. Oh, Holy Holy Motors. Motors. Yeah. Oh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Oh, come this on. Is way better than Glenn Gary. Are you really? Serious? Wow, I am flabbergasted. In, in terms of classical Hollywood filmmaking, I think this is one of the best films of its generation. Really? Okay. Well, we'll, be, we'll be quiet now. I'm interested to hear your reasons. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> um. First of all, as you were saying, a cliched. I'm. It's cliched in a way that's real to life, and like as you were saying. So I would not say that's cliched. I'd say it's relatable, like in, okay. to in a sense. I I do understand. It's like the um, Chekhov quote about when a gun is introduced, it has to be used. So like there there are certain things that when you're privy to information on how a story is constructed, that's going to be a dead giveaway. I remember getting pissed off at Taken. Because at the beginning, there's that pointless pot point of him saving the the pop star. Yes. And he has to give the tickets to his daughter. So right then, you knew everything was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at at the same time, um, what was I saying? The, the realism in how it presents youth was terrific, in, in all of its awkward glory, like especially especially the awkwardness of. Yes. Boners, like accidental boners. I, I will agree NRBs, with you there. Yeah. NRBs, no reason boners. <laughs> well, he had a reason. Yeah, her ass oh, was hanging out of the. Uh, Those are RBs, reasonable boners. Um, <laughs> but I agree. That's a great point. I agree with you. I liked it for that aspect. Um, this just in like that when you kind of feel each other out. That like, okay, we're gonna kiss. Like there was a lot of feeling. The awkwardness of like. Getting together, yes. of talking each other out, you know that you both like each other. Mm-hmm. Like r- romance used to be really exciting as a teen, or mm-hmm. like, and I agree with you about relatability. Where I worked at a, about this guy's age, I worked at Universal Studios, mm-hmm. um, in the theme park, and there was all these kinds of little flirtations and romances blooming mm-hmm. up, and gossip and all this stuff. It's very true yep. to that. Um, also, okay. The, the movie begins with a replacement song, and um, and later it ends with one, and Lou Reed and Velvet Underground is a major motif. So there's an interesting thing that's going on where these, these are both bands where the lead singer can't really sing. Uh, <laughs> Paul Westerberg and Lou Reed don't have good voices. Yeah. So it's it's a great contrast to them playing the Armadeo song all the time. <laughs> <laughs> like, all this like very commercialized pop. And then, then um, what's her name? Kristen Stewart, M. Yes. Um, who I thought was Kristen Bell, and I was really excited to see the movie until I saw Kristen Stewart, then I was like, fuck. This is the first thing I've ever seen her in, and to be honest, I didn't have any con- preconceived notions. I thought she did her role well. She, she. Let me tell you this, she did better in this movie than she did in any of the Twilights. Oh, I believe that, but I mean, she's 
working with glittering vampires. Like, <laughs> they do that well. <laughs> um, and, um, what was I saying? Really, I need a refresher. Um, I'm really excited about this, and I'm frustrated that I'm crap. tired. Teen angst. Uh, she was very real, something like that. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I guess we'll just pick up. Oh, yeah, the awkward moments of when they were kissing and their Yeah, oh, yeah, I was, I was leading it to my life. Oh, no, no, the Paul Westerberg. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So the difference between, it's almost like, when I think of 80s, I do think of the polished, airbrushed 80s of pop and fashion yes. and everything like that. And this movie, even though I was much younger, it totally brought back humid summers and calling, or even later, like calling parents, like, mm-hmm. Calling people's houses and like, man, I hope I don't get a parent. Mm-hmm. Like, or just just the fashion of the eighties of of the underground of of the not popular of yeah. the Afghans and like the wicker chair arms and like the wood paneling. Like, it it creates this suburban eighties that's not that's not the polished eighties. And so I think like Lisa P and that belongs to the polished eighties, mm-hmm. whereas the Paul Westerberg <laughs> song. Is like the vulnerability of the youth. Can I ask what year you think this took place in? 87. It says it on the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> did, but did you get the impression? Because I didn't find that out until after I watched the movie. And then oh, I, was, yeah. I was very surprised that it took place in 87. Yeah. Like it, it seemed to me while I was watching it that it was early 80s. So I was kind of thrown off that it was late 80s. Because oh. I mean, in the late 80s, uh, People didn't really talk as much about Lou Reed and yeah. and Amadeus was not a big song in the late eighties and well, well I, but then that was like that's why it was continuing played at this Z grade because yeah. <laughs> it was a crap. Yeah. I think you could tell that it was later eighties by the way everyone was dressing because at the later eighties no one was really wearing the short shorts anymore. They're switching over to the the denim, the acid wash jeans, the the. Uh, the very skin tight t-shirts were giving way to the slightly looser t-shirts. There was still yeah. that same type of design and they did a really great job of capturing the, the style or the style of the genre. Even, I think even better than eight, uh, what was it? Super eight, which even did oh, yeah. type of, it's that was like seventies, but yeah. far yeah. superior capturing that same look and feel. Yeah. I'm glad you agree with that. And like, like I said, even like the humidity, there's, you can't really see that, but for whatever reason, you just, you just feel that atmosphere so well. Um, so in the sense that it made the eighties more real, I mean, nobody ever, that's nobody's aside goal. from hot tub time machine. This was like the <laughs> no, second no, no, best. That, 80s. That's my, my point is hot tub time <laughs> machine was totally the eighties only existed in the very artificial form of the 80s. That was a very glam 80s. We think of. But then there was something else that was going on, which was the actual 80s. What about, like, um, did you ever see the show Freaks and Geeks? No, and I need to. Because that show is very true to 80s to me. Mm. Um, but how the real 80s were, not the exaggerated 80s of the wedding singer or something right. like that. Well, isn't isn't this director in, in that same stable as, um, what's his name? The guy who did uh, Knocked Up and all that. Jude. Uh, you know, I I actually don't know. This director did do Super Bad, which yeah. had Jonah Hill, who is in that other Jude Apatow. Jude, Apatow, Judd Apatow Judd. school, but I I don't know if he's. It's amazing how bad I am with names. The, the show has really showed me, even people that I like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> pretty. 
Well, you guys are amazing compared to me. I can't remember shit. Most Cumberbunch? Come on now. <laughs> God, that, that was pretty terrible. <laughs> Cumberbunch. I fucking love that guy as an actor. I didn't know who he was. <laughs> um, anyways, this this relationship is, I mean, something that I've gone through a lot, mm-hmm. which is where there's a nice guy who's kind of getting used by a girl who doesn't want to think her she's as bad as her worst behavior yes which is the situation she finds herself in which she allows to happen yes um but also he's not as good as he thinks he is uh that's i think as you were saying about uh, being more real yes there's a lot of and you know when i was talking about the parallels to my life i could have gone on and on and on and on and on (laughs) i decided to cut him off at bald women but there was much (laughs) more parallels um but i that's why i think they're very very realistic characters and that's the things that i appreciated the most about this movie like he allows himself to be defined by however people want to address him like it's kind of funny that he starts getting known as the pot guy he's not really even into it he just happened to yes. <laughs> kind of get this pot but he's okay to go along with that um so then he's okay to take to promote his misery to make himself feel better and yeah. also like in that age like music and breakups and all these things were the the defining things like in our lives and the way that they take these things so seriously it warms my heart it makes me think of my youth um i also like how he wants to be a travel journalist um it, it just seems so and i think that it's also tying in with art at the end when they're talking about um moby Day. um about art isn't uh, something art is different than celebrity, I guess is what you want to say. Yeah. And the Ryan Reynolds character is supposed to be like some great musician, but he's just <laughs> first of all he's lying about his main story, but second yeah. of all, uh, he he's using it all for this minor celebrity. Um, there's just so much to talk about with this film. Um, let me see where else. I like the Joel character that he's. Just, He's the old soul. He, he has the pipe. He calls it like an outrageous affectation, but it makes him calm or something like that. I like that line a lot. Um, he's into <laughs> Russian literature. I actually like him too. Yeah. yeah. He reminds me a lot of, <laughs> like, I'm, there's composites of me all over this film. I'm, I'm kind of certain characters, but, um, since he does bring up Russian literature, the idiot Dostoevsky's novel is kind of apt in, in that how we subconsciously use each other. Um, and, and, and to an extent, everybody's doing that, or both the main characters are. They're, they're not exactly acting on their best, how they perceive themselves. Oh, let me see. Well, and while you're looking for your next one, what sucks about that, the point about using people, is that Kristen Stewart, or Emily, is getting both of her needs met, both physical and emotional, by two different guys. Right. But the poor... Jesse Eisenberg is only getting one of his needs met, yeah. and he can't seem to get the other one. Right. <laughs> and, and that's what causes a, a big source of frustration for him. Um, oh, yeah, and the other thing, I'm sorry, a tie into my my little musical theory. Um, the replacements have a song called Gary's Got a Boner, and it, it reminds me <laughs> a lot of how the guy's like, hey, what's his name's got a boner? <laughs> yeah, actually, I do love that, too. His best friend is a total fucking idiot, right. but he's that guy that you've known since yeah. you were four, and so you still feel obligated to hang out with him. And, yeah, that's that's You brilliant. know, I got something completely different from that. I got something, like, when I was watching that scene, I was thinking, wow, that's, that's so, like, youth. Like, you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're embarrassed about getting an interaction about a hot chick when, like, 
I don't know if like you and me and oh. Austin over here were like in a pool and some chick was going topless. If I like popped a woohoo, I would be like, just fucking naked. Yeah. You know? What do you expect? That's true. Well, I don't know. I think any public erection would have to be awkward, wouldn't it? But I mean, it wouldn't yeah. be so bad but that you're like trying to. She wasn't topless though. Also, also, it was like an intimate moment between the two of them, and nobody else was joining them. It was like everybody was staring out from the window. I have to say that I've been to a strip club before where you would think that it's okay to pop a boner, but. I actually was embarrassed. Were you really? Yeah, so it, it does doesn't matter the also situation. Pet stores, I yeah, yeah, pet stores. <laughs> you're you're always embarrassed when you get a boner, no matter what wow. the situation. Me and me and me and strip clubs, man, we have different rules. <laughs> I'll wow. walk around popping a tent pole any day. There's also um, just moving on. There's a uh, okay, like. This is when their lives are... This is like the pit stop when their lives are going to happen. Yep. But you, every adult in this movie is kind of where the adults end up, which is stuck in their position. They're aware of the grays of life, of their responsibilities, and they're mostly miserable. And it, it's a great juxtaposition between their optimism, but also like his determination to get away because this is all his environment offers. Um, I, I found that... Not, I don't know if I'd say relatable, but to an extent relatable. Where, I mean, again, that's kind of talking about the personal fable where you've got bigger things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, also, he gets in a car accident later um, after he breaks up with her, with him, um, because he finds his father's um, alcohol stash in the car, uh, which is somehow that seems more 80s to me, too. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody had an alcoholic dad in the eighties. Right. It seemed there even used yeah, to be perfect. commercials for like the care unit. Like I had a problem and my wife left me for his mind. Where are those commercials anymore? Like I don't right. know. Do alcoholic fathers not exist anymore? Did fathers just in the nineties realize instead of drinking myself to death, I can leave? And then they just all left their families instead of <laughs> drinking. Maybe. Uh, but you know, I knew tons of alcoholic fathers in the eighties, and then in the nineties, it's like. Nobody had any father alcoholic. I don't think anyone admitted it in the 90s. Yeah. Like, that was something else that I, I recognize as distinctly 80s, is um, that suburbia had so little to do. Like... Yeah. And, like, the dysfunction in these relationships was amplified, I think. Like, like the uh, M's parents always having people over and talking about the most banal conversations yeah. of, you know, their middle-class lives. Um, and uh, so... And I also like the scene when she's in her room watching MTV. I don't that just seemed very <laughs> like every every brooding teenager would yeah, yeah. <laughs> turn on MTV. Um but what was that was the part that was a little cliche for me is that uh, the whole I hate my stepmom thing. My mom died of cancer, I hate my stepmom, I'm a troubled teen. Yeah, but I mean that happens. Like it's cliche yeah. because it happens. Like I don't think I don't think they took any easy answers with it. Like, I'm not even sure that's where most of her angst was coming from. I think it was because she was getting used by assholes. Yeah. Or she was trying to find a father image or something like that. Like, um, but anyways, he gets busted because he drove drunk and he trash, tr- crashes into a tree. And then there's this moment when the mom's like, where did you get this? And she puts it on the table and the dad knows that he stole his booze. Mm-hmm. So he's in part responsible mm-hmm. and the son covers for him. 
And the father just, his face is so sad, but he doesn't do anything as he realizes his son, he's letting his son give up all of his college money to cover his ass. Like, and the efficiency of that scene was really. That's poor parenting right there. I, I would have grabbed my son and been like, here's the deal. The booze was mine. Although I didn't force you to drink it and then drive, so you're to blame too. But I will accept my part of the blame for the booze. Right. And, uh, hey, I'll pay for some of the car. You pay for the rest. We'll split the difference. You don't tell your mom. Mm-hmm. But I think he he was just so... First of all, that mom was obviously the, the authoritative person yeah. in the family. So he, he was taking the back seat. And also, he but, couldn't just admit that he was boozing. Like, but don't you miserable. Don't you think that was a great play on the 80s, though, that they were able to get away from that? I mean, he drove into a thing, uh, drove into a yard and hit a tree. And what do they do? The parents take care of it. Like, you know, a few years later, you have Mad and everything, and that would not have happened. That kid would have gone to jail. Right. Yeah, yeah I, so, mean, I mean... it's a great it's a great play on the times. Yeah, yeah, it worked out. I mean, if he would have hit somebody, obviously, he'd be going to jail. <laughs> um, uh, anyways, Mikey, why don't, why don't you... It sounded like you were generally positive. Yeah, I, I, like I said before, I really, I really admired the, the, the set piece that they did for this movie. I, I feel like that this movie, if it were made in say 1988 or 1989, I think it would have been a movie that would have defined a generation. Hmm. Wow. I think, I think the way it, it presented the characters, it presented the environment. Every everyone in this movie was relatively believable, especially since you point out the fact that you have your glam eighties, your your nerd eighties, your your socially inept eighties. Everything is there to point out everything about the times. Like, I, I my father smoked pipe in the eighties, which was given up. So it was it was one of those things that even his his sec the 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 supporting character did, mm-hmm. which was a very eighties thing because it was kind of it was phasing out and people were switching to cigarettes. But it was more, it was socially acceptable to smoke pipe than where it is not now. Um, I, I think not for a teenager. Not for a teenager to smoke. <laughs> I do but have it, that crazy idea too, though. I have but to I, say. Yeah, I, I, figured, I have too. I kind of figured all these kids were like 22, 23 ish. Yeah, they're post college. So they're, they're, they're not really 80s kids. They're more 70s kids. Mm. But for the most part, by and large, they, they fit that demographic very well. Um, I think this this parallels can't hardly wait as far as defining a generation, and I think like Project X possibly could have been one of those movies that defines how teen angst is projected on cinema. I haven't seen that one yet. I keep hearing about it though. I think I think it's very very accurate. I think it would have done far better if it was done fifteen years ago. Well, it wouldn't have been so cliched 15 years ago. No. We wouldn't have seen it a million times It had been very progressive 15 years ago. I mean, it did kind of, to an extent, remind me of John Cusack comedy or something like that. It it did to me, too. Of a more intelligent teen. Like, this is what John Hughes would be doing if he were Uh, still John Hughes today. And and alive. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I, I think it, I, I think John Hughes is way more cliched though, because like even like Breakfast Club, you have the four types. I don't think there's types in this movie, to an extent. Yeah, like even Lisa P is far more dimensional than she is, and that that's the one thing to credit. But I mean, do you not feel like the plot was like 
okay, he's a virgin, he's awkward, he has high standards, which is why he hasn't slept with whatever slut came along. He's waiting for the right girl. He's going to almost sleep with the hot kind of slutty girl, and then he's going to not, and he's going to finally lose his virginity to the love of his life at the end See, of the movie. I don't even think it's the fact that it's so slutty. I think it's a, a fact that it's it's the movie is based in reality. Because in cinema, you see... I say cinema. That sounds so... Why? That like works. 1960s. No. Um, <laughs> cinema. It's, it's cinema. We're, for, <laughs> you're making Mikey more pretentious. We're like yeah. rubbing <laughs> off on him. I actually, I think I felt really enthused when you call it cinema. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you, you see like these movies that do these diatribes about how, how, like say the 70s, everyone was all loose and crazy. Well, we knew like 80s, People are still loose and crazy, but you still have that that feeling that it's still really kind of difficult to score. Like even mm-hmm. even John admitted that he was later in in his years, and it was what the nineties when that happened. Uh, it was just last year. Oh yeah, so like last year when he had his two kids, um, <laughs> who are four and ten. Like you really have to work for it, and like it seems like yeah, she was slutting it out to this guy, but still like you 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 connect with him, yeah, knowing yeah. that he's. Yeah, he's making conscious decision not to, but still, did he really have that chance to slut it to to, to score? Right. Like, like the way he makes his pass sounds so much more dramatic and it, than it was. It, chances are, it really wasn't. It's just happenstance that yeah, he never, he didn't know how or you know, not how to do it, but how to make the move or whatever. Oh yeah, man. and it's like this. You're 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 kind of growing up with him over the summer, and he always falls back on that excuse that everybody uses. Well, I've had opportunities, yeah. it just didn't yeah. work out. So, so <laughs> I, I almost found it. Like the, the kind of awkward or painfully funny. Like I, I thought yeah. the movie was. I don't really remember how much I laughed, but I remember being generally amused and enthused by it. Um, what you were saying though, also about like it does make a difference or a separation between sex and intimacy, and that's very rare in a movie that would take the time. Like even the sex scenes in the movie are intimate in the way of how one takes off clothing in a clumsy manner, mm-hmm. or. Um, Wet socks. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked when her parents came home and they were on the couch. First of all, like, that, that, that's, I don't know why all kids do that, but you, you get on the couch and you make it on the couch. We're, you're right in the middle of (laughs) where anyone can walk in. And then he puts the pillow (laughs) over his crotch like that. You might as well just stood up with his other. Yeah, uh, it was an awesome moment. Yeah, even 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 the fact that it was it was intimate and in that both of them had clothes on at the time, like that's mm. just sex is put out there so forcefully. Whereas, as it's almost like you're embarrassed by the intimacy of it, and like I think this movie shows you that it is a little embarrassing because mm. it reminds us of our awkwardness in the beginning when we didn't really know what we were doing, all mm. this stuff. Um, but the fact that it went there, it just sold this whole film even more. But yeah, you can, I, I don't know about you guys, but I totally identified with that whole male friend bonding thing about smacking each other in the balls and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't like, know if I like, never did that, but. Like, I could still, like, if I, like, if I had a, a very, I do have a very close friend that I still feel openly fine with socking him in the nuts. On any open occasion. <laughs> That's so funny because I was thinking that one of the things I was going to talk about is how I would never believe that there were really people on earth that did that dude. I, if I didn't know a guy that actually <laughs> does that. <laughs> I remember being in high school lifting weights on the football team yeah. and like the one guy 
would just come up and be like, oh yeah, I'll spot you. And as soon as you get the weights up, like you're doing, you're doing your heavy set, right? And you're doing like, I was, I think I was doing like 225 or 250 in like 10th grade. And I, like as soon as I get into my chest, what does he do? He pulls over his, his shorts and fucking puts his balls right on my face. And he's like, boom, 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 boom. And what are you supposed to do? You can't, you're like completely invulnerable, but it, it happens. It completely happens. That's yeah. Funny. Um, what is it that about like group of guys, like uh, testicle humor is, did he ever punch you in the nuts? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, I used to work with a guy that, uh, that we were all in our early twenties and they would, there was a couple of guys actually and they would say Bangkok and then, yeah, and then punch each other in the nuts. And I always thought that was stupid. <laughs> like, you know, people be, do it. It'd be yeah. so bad as if you I see mean, that person. You are stupid at that. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, it just shows teen angst, yeah. in my opinion. And I, I think I, identif- I identified with the movie because not everyone did it. There was only a select yeah. few and, Eventually, you get back at them. You, I, like you said, you do accept them as a friend because you've known them so long. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. John, as John was saying, as the guy you known forever. And um, real, real quick, I, also his gaining autonomy in his environment, I thought was very skillfully done. I'm not sure if that was just an acting job on Jesse Eisenberg, but especially the scene when he he confronts Ryan Reynolds at the end there, and he tells him the name. He's getting the satellite of love. He's saying the name wrong. Yep. And he he just says, you know, I see through you. And then he makes him go back to his life. Like, I, I thought that was such a great moment. Like, it, the, those kind of scenes happen all the time, mm-hmm. as you're saying, maybe cliche, but the way it does it is so well thought out that I, I just see it as, like, genre stories aren't necessarily cliche. They can say a lot of great things. Uh, we have a great tradition of American genres, and I think this film fits in that, that it's a teen movie in a way, but as you said, it's nothing like it. Yeah. Now, now I must say, I'm drinking vodka, milk, and Hershey syrup at this point, mm-hmm. but this was the most believable character I've seen Ryan Reynolds play. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. He, he yeah... He was pretty believable as this ugly turd in a, <laughs> in a Nickelodeon TV show called Fifteen <laughs> early in his career. I, I, I remember that. That was like a soap opera. Right? Yeah, it yeah. was. And he, he developed into a, actually a pretty decent looking guy because he looked like a troll on that show. But compared to like Green Lantern? Yeah. Or uh, well, this was Dead Eye or whatever. This was before Green Lantern, wasn't it? This is two thousand nine. This movie. yes, post Green Lantern, post him no, doing pre Green Lantern. Sorry, pre Green Lantern, pre Dead Eye Wolverine movie. Was it or oh, Deadshot? Oh. Whatever he played, yeah. not Deadshot. Dead Eye. I kind of liked Ryan Reynolds' character in this movie. Like, yeah. I liked the fact that he wasn't just stereotypical jerk who cheats on his wife. Yeah, and is an asshole in every aspect. He was actually pretty cool, and he was pretty nice to the other kids that worked there. I think um, I think the, he that's... just had this one flaw that he wanted to sleep with Kristen Stewart. I, I think it's cool that he's he's an occasionally an asshole. I forget what he says something with Jesse in the car that was like uh, incredibly. But he's not necessarily an asshole to be an asshole. He's an asshole to protect his interests yeah. with Kristen Stewart. Yeah. Otherwise, he's totally for building him up and giving him social or giving him uh, self-esteem yeah he is yeah absolutely he's trying to help him out but at the same time he doesn't want to reveal his own secret yeah um another another way that's tying into the autonomy thing and also your cliche comment um the ending i i suppose could be cliche 
and, and uh, he, he moves to New York, and then he tracks her down, and they apologize, and uh, they have sex, as you were saying. Um, I wouldn't really call it move. He kind of just busses it. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, first of all, the scene when he says goodbye to him after he punches his friend in the balls, mm-hmm. um, I, I thought that was also a great scene of him realizing it's time to get out of this environment. Otherwise, it's just going to be a slope, and then there's even okay. that, that final shot of them on yeah. that slope, and I yeah. thought that was a great visual metaphor. Um, there's also a, several really competent shots, uh, like when they're in the bumper cars eating the brownies, I think. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. Like, after watching this movie, all I want to do is smoke weed. I don't know about you guys, but I want to eat weed, I want to smoke weed. We'll bust it out. All right, I'll go upstairs and get it. Um, so, anyways, Austin, Austin got really uncomfortable. He's like, oh, shit, there's weed. <laughs> Sorry, we didn't know you were a narc, man. <laughs> no, no, I smoked the pot. <laughs> Hashish and ganja, man, woo! Uh, what? Anyways, um... Also, though, the reason why I would hesitate to say it's not cliche, it is, but it's not, because we, I, personally speaking, I think we all, personally speaking, I think we all, <laughs> we all. From, my, from my perspective of just talking to people and what I know, we all kind of fuck up our first relationships, and yes. it, it's always incomplete, and it's always nagging, and you always feel guilty about it, Yes. or think about what could have gone mm-hmm. better. Yeah, so the fact that he... Then takes that step to the brave new world of New York and doing everything. It's not necessarily that they're going to live happily ever after. It's just that he's pursuing that to its conclusion. And there's something very noble about that, I suppose. So I I don't see it as that cliche ending as much as... But there's also nothing really negative about that relationship that would keep him from doing that either. Yeah, I mean, he has to... No, I mean, it's a, it's a huge male it's pride very thing fitting. to know, especially at the beginning when sex means so much to you, mm-hmm. to know that, especially at the beginning, that was a very cynical comment, um, <laughs> to know that, you know, a girl cheated on you, and socially, as he does, you know, he climbs the social ladder with her, her mm-hmm. mistake, and you could just ride that out as long as you want to, and I think like that's actually, the lack of forgiveness is what fucks up so many first relationships, is because yeah. somebody's going to fuck up, yeah. and... It doesn't mean that the relationship has to be dead, but usually it's like everybody knows that that person fucked up, and then you're just like, okay, well, it's over. But I think that's still a play on the times, because now if someone said, yeah, I fucked like 15 guys, you'd be like, oh, shit. But like in the 80s, it's like, well, you're still coming off of the sexual revolution, and you're like, well, you're... you're, I think people... 15 would be... Well, but no, like but I'm, I'm using that as a kind of a... I'm kind of playing off of that How joke. How 12? <laughs> 15? <laughs> that joke that, like, guys, if you're like, hey, I've done five chicks, it's like, cut it in half, and girls like, well, right. I've done, like, three guys, like, times it by three. Yeah, like, I think, like, my, my girl... Or one of my girlfriends at this time... I was like, I'm at, for, you know, this was all very important to me. I was like, how many cocks did you suck? She said 17. 36 And I was like, 17. Holy crap, and she kept track. I, yeah, I yeah. I don't yeah. think I would count after six or seven. I had a buddy who was like, yeah, I've slept with 32 women. I'm like, whoa, you're invested. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's still like, it's still in the 80s. It's, you know, seven years after, well, you know, seven years after the 70s. I mean, it's still kind of feeling like that whole, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> you were talking about like in the 70s the sexual revolution was still going on or 60s and 70s the 80s I mean sex starts becoming more more weighted pers- because of AIDS first yeah. of all yeah 
Um, but it's still, it's, it's it was near the, the end, end of the sexual revolution. Yeah. AIDS put an end to it. It well, must you know, be nice. It must have been nice to be able to have I know, sex without I fear of, of life, painful I, death. <laughs> I used to work my first job. There was a lot of older people that were customers. And one of those guys came in and he was like, John, let me tell you. You should have been alive in 71. We fucked, <laughs> he goes, we fucked anything that moved. <laughs> and this guy's like 70 years old telling me this. So, yeah, I should have been alive in 71. Well, yeah. Too bad I live now. 72, though. I mean, no. But 71 is just the perfect storm. Yeah, I guess that must have been the year when he fucked everything yeah, that moved. Exactly. And then by 72, he already had the herp or something. Right. So, John, would you recommend this movie? I would... Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm going to narrowly recommend it. Oh, Ooh. here we go. Austin, what about you? Uh, wholehearted recommendation. I think this is something of a classic. I would give it a four star out of five on nice. the Netflix scale. Looks like this wow. is the first unanimous net Nerdflix. I'm very surprised, too, that he loved it that much, and it's a movie that you picked. Uh, That's I know, right? Because yeah. I usually pick complete... Garbage. He, he liked it more than you did. I know. That's amazing. I yeah. picked I picked your most favorited Nerdflix movie. Most Me. Favorited. Me. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. More That's than S Word of Doom. Right. I mean I was I was <laughs> I know I'd already seen that like five times before we watched it. Um S Word of Doom. <laughs> but no, eventually and this was for me, you know, it's so rare to see a movie that you're just it, you'd think glowing it, afterward, like you, just like ah, oh, now that's a good movie. You think it's going to be very, you think it's going to be a comedy, but mm-hmm. then you start watching it. You think it's going to be formulaic, but it's not because the characters are very well developed, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the the setting is very well preserved. I yeah. wish it would have ended after he punched his friend in the balls. No, but I but wish I, it would have ended after they punched that other strange guy in the balls. Strange guy. What strange guy? When they caught him cheating on the game. That was like halfway through the movie. Oh, I only watched like You're halfway. like, I wish this movie ended after 40 minutes. <laughs> Four stars. <laughs> five. Punch some guy in the dick. Five stars. Smoke weed. Five stars. Oh, man. Um, but that's, another thing is violence in the theme park, so that's not exaggerated. Like, I ride broke down one time, and these guys got off, and they punched one of my coworkers in the face, and it broke his nose. Oh, wow. Like, it's it's crazy. People are... <laughs> oh, you know what? That that part was a little cliche to me also, how, like, he had to defend his girl and by punching that guy, and then once he did that, then she was, like, way more attracted to him. And... I, yeah, I don't know if... if... <laughs> If that was the case, like, I don't think she was attracted to his, like, power or anything like that. I I think she thought, wow, this guy actually cared. But weren't you, like... And then it was great, I'm sorry, but it was great how then everyone was saying, hey, you, I hear you punch, like, that kind of thing just happens, like, where the story gets, and you're like, hey, I'm great. (laughs) (laughs) But weren't you, like, expecting more from, like, uh, Paul Hader and Kristen Wiig, like, more screen time with how... how Bill Bill Hader? Bill Hader, sorry. No, I don't. I'm to be honest. I I recognize their faces, but I, I'm not a bridesmaids fan. And yeah, he doesn't like Kristen Wiig anyway. She hardly got any screen time, but some of her lines were funny. Like when she was when she, she was pantomiming. Uh, yeah, Bill Hader. I think yeah, that was funny. And then when she said that the friend had passed on when she meant to say moved on, yeah. and that was funny. And then when she was. Like ran that. out of eyes to glue on the bananas, so she but she found the eye patches, so she oh, made yeah, them yeah. into pirate bananas. That was funny. And then 
Bill Hader's character turned out to be a pretty cool guy too. When <laughs> Jesse runs in, he's like, "They're trying to kill oh, me." The and he doesn't even question. No, him. no, he's just, just like, like, "All right," and he yes. just goes out there. And, but even she's like, "Here's the bat," and he's like, "I got the bat," and yeah. like he just fucking turns crazy and shit. Didn't even ask Jesse why these guys are trying to kill you. Or whatever, he's. I don't care why they're trying to kill you. I'm gonna scare these. Fuckers yeah, it was off. like you know, you're my and, employee. Yeah. I'm gonna coddle you like you're for my it, kid and take care of you. And that's it. Was there's no question? He was asked. kind of a douchebaggy character before that moment, but but yeah. it, it was. It was almost like a fog your father figure. Mm-hmm. Like he was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you how it is, I'm gonna hold you accountable to it, mm-hmm. but if anything happens, I'm gonna kick some ass for you. Yeah, so even him in that kind of made him into a multi dimensional character. But also. then, yeah, but even, then like, even though they are the comic relief of the film. Like they're they the broad comic characters. But so. knowing that, that Ryan Reynolds is his son and he's so douchey, it's like where Wait, is that? Did I miss that? Really? That guy? Ryan Reynolds is wasn't Bill Hader's he, son? Wasn't he his no. son? No. No, he wasn't? No. I thought he was. No, he wasn't. Oh, well then. <laughs> Fuck that comment. <laughs> That's a vodka talking. <laughs> um, Your kids were distracting you during that part. <laughs> yeah. They came down enough times. Came down with the plague. Anyway, so, yes. <laughs> Agreement. Everyone yes. watch this movie. Glorious, glorious this is the yeah. best movie we've ever watched. Wow, for our 13th Other episode, that it was pretty lucky. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, someone want to wrap this up because I can't focus. Okay, um, next. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, you, please. Next week, we're watching Upstream Color, which is a film by uh, Shane Carruth, I believe. He made the uh, Primer movie. Um, in 2009, was it? Um, yeah, 05, maybe, or yeah. 06. It was Back in the that. day, it was a, it was a yeah. sci-fi indie movie about time travel. Um, anyways, so it, it's another one of those interesting puzzle movies, and uh, you can check that out. It's on instant streaming. On um, Netflix. Yeah, ne- Netflix instant streaming. So And uh, email us at nerdflix. No, nerdflixpodcast.gmail. No, nerdflixpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. And visit us at nerdflix.blogspot.com. See you next time. Have a great one, guys. Thanks for listening. One listener.